Okay. Hello. Hello, everybody. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. You're like, where did he go? He didn't go anywhere. I just got a little bit of a cold. My reward for being sober for all of October was playing a gig at the Red Lion on Halloween night in the graveyard shift from one to four, which is to some people... It's like a real barometer. It's either the best gig in New York City, which I think it is, or it's the worst gig in New York City, which is like lame musicians. Those people are lame. Because it is literally, it's the best gig. Because what are you doing at home anyway at one or two in the morning? You're probably watching like James Brown live clips, right? Or you're watching surf videos, which is probably what I'm watching, like Ben Gravy vlogs. Or... Rig Rundown. I hate to admit it. I hate to say that out loud, but I, you might be watching Rig Rundown. So you might as well do the gig. Anyway, the point is I did the gig and then I got sick. My birthday present was uh, bronchitis. I got drugs the day after my birthday. And I'm back. That's like bronchitis is rough. I couldn't even speak. I woke up and I'm like, oh, I'm going to record this B-Ski intro on like a Monday, like two Mondays ago. Or, no, a week and a half ago, and I couldn't, and I just couldn't even speak. I was like, <laughs> like my friends are like, are you joking? I'm like, no, this is <laughs> literally. <clears throat> See, it's still in there. It's, I was like, this is literally my voice. Anyway, but I'm back, and it feels good to be back. So it's November. It's negligent November. It's November. It's negligent November. Anyway, let's cut to the chase. Homies, we got um, my, I really think of him as a dear friend. I, he probably doesn't think of me as a dear friend, but we're, no, it'd be ski, you probably do. It, it's, he's just, this dude, I don't, it doesn't get cooler than my next guest, b Smoother, cooler, gentlemanly. I mean, on top of how cool he is as a human, then he's just like an a freakish talent. He's like a special, 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 special New York City singer. I don't really know anybody else like him. It's like the holy, he's in the, it's, it's completing the holy trinity of singers with the, my other guests of like Jeff Toohey, Paul Lauren, and then you have Beesky who represents like the hip hop, soul, R&B, just knows every tune, can sing, perfectly every time always sounds good and it's interesting to kind of get into his thing you'll find him fascinating the funniest thing about this is that we tracked it on a thursday at 8 a.m i don't think either of us are really morning cats so it's funny to do this two musicians talking because it starts a little slow but i actually think that makes it like it's, I listened back and I was like, no, this, this is a good one. Cause he's just so interesting. I'm fascinated by him. And, uh, uh, personally, I apologize to my listener and to Beesky. I remember when I was taking math class as a kid, it was really hard for me, but I remember them being like, well, once you learn something, you've learned it. 
But what if? But what happens if it, it takes me a while to learn something? But when I learn it, I got it. But if I learn the wrong thing, then I'll repeatedly do the wrong thing, and it takes me time to correct it. And in real time, in this Beeski podcast, I, I in my brain, I thought his song was called that name of that pop song by Crowded House, and not what it's really called. So that's just again Beeski. I apologize for that. That's pretty funny. And um, is there anything else? Yeah, we did it at 8 a.m. He talks about his bands. He's got cool bands, Live Society. He's just a man. There's no one cooler than Peasky. He's like the smoothest, coolest cat. And he's a liner note junkie. He's got an amazing memory. Literally just roast me. Listening back, I'm like, I am literally an idiot. And he is a literally brilliant guy. Brilliant guy. Book smarts, street smarts. I don't know. I think the world of Bisky. I think I think we can all learn a lot from Bisky. I learned a lot. I listen to this. I'm like Bisky. He's amazing. So please, please do enjoy. Um, a little word of warning is he talks about like a chicken parm dinner from a diner. Like watch out because you're probably gonna end up going and ordering one, which is what I did recently. Like yet yeah, last night, I got a chicken parm dinner. It's okay. So that's pretty, that will, that might happen to you. So dude, the volume knob on my telly is totally jaded up. I don't understand. Look at that. You have to, I have to like tap it. If I turn it down, it comes up. Wow, that's the least interesting thing I've ever said on Secret Famous. Anyway, I'm going to get my telly volume knob fixed. I hope you guys enjoy the B-Ski episode because it's super, it's funny. It's good. There's a story he tells in here about his father. Should I bring my guitar? I've been like repeatedly saying that in my head. It's, it's so funny. And B-Ski, thank you so much. We're going to play you right in right now with a track by him called Starbound. Starbound, baby, wanna ball out. So she going all out. And she don't hit the ground. High pose, thinking that she might blow. Holds up in a light boat. Was afraid to sink or drown. Now what a couple don't make one ride. Down long as she can see her name on life. Sound like oh, she's dreaming on a pipe. Cause she living on a kite. See, she gon' take flight. Right. Word around town is leaving to find a better life. Don't nothing change it but the seasons. And that's alright. But you identify as happiness, my dear, I'll never understand Yeah, ain't got nobody to impress, should I know who I am?
Thursday morning, and I'm hanging out with the smoothest cat, the king of the king, Mr. Brian Collazo. Thank you for making time and coming over and hanging yo, out. Yo. It's 8 a.m., guys. He texted me. He's like, ooh, I got something at noon. And I was like, let's do it. Let's do it at 6 a.m., jokingly. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I thought you were serious. I was like, I, like, I like took a deep breath, and I was like, uh, I guess, yeah, man. I'm like, our brains wouldn't even be on yet if we did it at 6 o'clock. Well, I figured maybe I won't go to bed yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so you're the king of smooth in my mind. So I just wanted to, my first question, Brian, because I've been planning about this for two days. Like, <laughs> do you do life coaching seminars and where can I come and sign up for oh, the first Jesus, one? Oh, Jesus, man. Can you imagine like, what a disaster that would be? <laughs> if anybody in the world took life advice from me, man. It would not be a good scene. What are you talking about? You know how to live better than anybody I know. You're always living. Is this the impression you get? Oh, man. Uh, okay, so like sleep till like 11. Perfect. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Those dishes in the sink, man, ignore them another day or two. <laughs> uh, again? Okay, right? right, right. Okay, so like you got your gig, right? You got your gig at like freaking, you know, your gig's at eight. You know, you got a seven time, seven o'clock. Call time? Yeah. 
you got to like, so you figure you should be in the shower by like, you know, five, right? But mm-hmm. like, make stretch that shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like five fifteen. Like maybe you're maybe you're not done watching Mad Men on Netflix. You know? So five fifteen. But you you get you can roll into the gig like quarter of. Everybody's relaxed, I think, when I can the show comes in at quarter of. But like, yeah, it's yeah. like five of. That's where everybody's like, okay, all right. The That's where you start getting like, those texts. Yeah, like, man, okay, all right. I could, I could probably sing that one Taylor Swift song. Exactly. There's like a panic on the bandstand. They're like, okay, what, what tunes can you actually sing? If the singer doesn't come, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's a real thing. I got band leaders that I'll like they'll they'll if they they'll get like a little itchy and you know, they'll stop they'll text you and be like, oh we're starting at seven thirty actually you know they'll they, text you that at like seven. They give you the psych out. Yeah, they give you like the yeah yeah, that's a thing. That's not cool. I like to I like to jokingly do that to friends. That's dope. Yeah, and it's a, it's actually a mean joke. It's gotten a little too. If we have an out of town gig, <laughs> someone will call, and I mean, let's say you know you have to be there at five. Want to do what you did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're opening our Canada Dry seltzers right now. I I wanted to have. I told Brian I would have the coffee made. The coffee is brewing right now, so we're starting with seltzer. We got options. This is good because there'll be like a whole energy lift to this. Oh, that'll be dope. We'll just be like, you'll be like, ah, 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 ah. But I'm already excited. Wait, you didn't finish. So your psych out, the mean psych, the psych out. out is, and I did this to a friend recently, and it was too far, and I could tell. It wasn't cool because it's, let's say you're playing in Utica or mm. somewhere very far away and you have to be there at, say, five. And at four o'clock, someone's like, hey, so where are you? And you're just like, yo, I'm just leaving Brooklyn now. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yes. Yeah, that ensues like straight panic, especially these days when it's like on text because then you, sarcasm is like lost. Like, no, yeah, there's no nuance to it. You can't tell. There's no nuance. You can't tell. So I did it to Jamie Alligrick, and I only kind of know him. And that dude. (laughs) (laughs) He's such a sweet guy. Such a sweet dude. (laughs) Such a serious dude. Takes shit so seriously. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I was like, Jamie. It was actually a reverse. I think we had to be there at five, and he was like, what time's loading? I was like, we're here now, dude. It's one. Where are you? (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, calling, are you serious? Like, I was like, yo, dude, I'm totally fucking with you, dude. You know what? Now that you're telling me, like, the way it went down, that's, that's really cruel, bro. It, it's a little cold, right? It's cruel. I mean, it's hilarious, but it's, it's cruel for sure. Um, my second question. So my huge fan of you is also uh, D-Bone, right? Oh, he's the man. He was like, I think you should ask these questions for Beesky. And then his like, why don't your second question be, will you be the leader of our crew? Oh, my. <laughs> Wait a second. There's a crew? <laughs> there's it's a like- crew and there's a leadership position opening up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm so in. I'm so down. Isn't that like the ultimate compliment, though? Right? Yeah. Like, you're great. I think you should lead our crew. <laughs> right. Like- not, only, not only can I be in the crew. You're leading. We're following you. Oh Our crew is like we're, what you tell us to do from now on. We're just we're cool with like where are we hanging, what are we doing? Listen, I'm so down. I'm so down. 
It's, that's we, prime we, coupling. We would like just stomp through these Astoria Queens streets. <laughs> <laughs> just crush it. <laughs> with, leather, with leather jackets. Whatever Co- you tell us to collar, do. Collar up like fonts. I only pop the collar. Yeah, you know you're keeping it really real. You know, you, you're, you're, you are matching the cool aesthetic better than me right now. I'm wearing a cardigan sweater. Bro, that's without cast? The, come on. Oh, this is true. Dude. For our listeners, gr- I'm wearing an outcast t-shirt <clears throat> and a cardigan sweater. Yeah, like, I, I can't do that. Only, only Beesky can, you know what I mean? You know, the, the funny thing is, this is pretty much the way I dressed if, uh, like in, like, sixth grade. Like, I had my first school dance, and mom, like, got me, like, a cardigan sweater. Yeah. And, like, a, a, um, a turtleneck. Like, cardigan and turtleneck, and then, and, like, that's kind of how I dress now. Like, so, that's interesting. You're returning to the roots of your preppydom, right? Right. In a way? Maybe. Yeah, and, and, but it's like a weird backwards preppydom, like preppydom, but like <laughs> via like boys to men. <laughs> <laughs> did you have a whole stylistic phases? Did you did you have like a skateboard B phase? Did you have a nah, uh, nah, nah. EDM phase where you're wearing just orange construction worker? Remember that in the nineties? Did you do hell yeah? No, I mean I, never, I didn't ha- I didn't have anything that extreme, right? So I was always kind of like middle school was cardigans and 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 and, 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 and turtlenecks, right? And then, like, by high school, it was, like, um, khakis and, like, Adidas. Freaking Stan Smiths. <laughs> <laughs> and then by, like, uh, right out of high school, you know, I mean, I, I did, like, the whole cross colors thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, insanely big jeans and... and, and Jinkos. Yeah, no, never Jinkos. That was too, like, that was too, like, uh, raver. Right, so like, figure you know, my jeans were like Mecca or Sean John. <laughs> you know okay, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then I would wear like insanely huge, you know, sizes that were like way too big on me. I would wear like a size thirty six Sean John jean, you know, of which I could fit in a single leg, and then I would like <laughs> cinch it up with a belt. Remember the belts too, the braided. Did you have the braided one or the fabric? Those were two. Uh, to, yeah, the, you had the, the braided like leather joint. Yes, with the uh, protruding like phallic. It was part. kind of like a helix or something, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing like these weird wavy motions with my hands. <laughs> I did own one. You had I, that was like a crucial element to I, the style. I may still own one that just like sits in a drawer. I'm just waiting for that shit to come back. And was it like? light colored jeans that was at least in my high school it was like we would wear like really light colored jeans and now if i'm not wearing black pants i feel uncomfortable like if right. i'm not wearing like in new york you just it gets dirty i can't wear white around unless it's like this is true i feel somewhat somewhat uncomfortable the lighter my jeans are yeah right i'm like uh-huh. looking down like what's wrong with my legs right now <laughs> 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 never really thought much about it but you're right yeah it feels weird right like but i don't know was that like because it I feel like we were in this era where it was like we were just being sold this like imagery of California, for sure. Right, like when like Dre and Snoop like, Dre emerged, Snoop, it was huge for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's where my khakis and 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 tennis shoes came from. You know? Did they dress like that? Oh man, that's like some straight West Coast shit. Am I allowed to curse on here? I'm saying shit. Yeah, right? yeah, hundred okay, cool. percent. It's explicitly rated. Oh, wonderful. <clears throat> I um, yeah, I had those shits on tape, Chronic and Doggy Style. Yeah, me too. I always picture like Snoop Dogg with the hoodie, like okay. a black hoodie. Didn't they do bold? And didn't Dre wear just like a black jacket? 
I'm gonna get this coffee. Yo, get the coffee uh, while we expound upon the dress, the dress attire of one Andre Young and Calvin Broadus. Do you do almond milk or normal milk? I do regular milk, or the half and half. Yeah, that's good. That's perfect. Does almond milk work in coffee, like for real though? Because I know people do it, but like, are we just winking and pretending that that's good? Yes. Okay. I think so because, right, like, um, it's like something about the water consumption isn't correct. Right. It doesn't seem to like blend right. <laughs> it's like I just dropped some like white out in coffee. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't like float to the bottom or something. Yes. Yeah, no, the Roland, the Roland Dairy Ultra Pasteurized Half and Half will suit me lovely. Yeah. Especially because it's got no hormones added, no antibiotics, and they even tell you right on the box. Tastes better. It tastes better, bro. I mean, what's, what's... <laughs> if it didn't, would they say that? They wouldn't write that. They wouldn't write it if it didn't taste better. Hit it. Do it. Um, <clears throat> Come on, man. You're lying to me. Wait, what? Uh... So, just for my listeners, right, Bisky has, have you always had an insane memory? Um, yeah, for certain things. For yeah. certain things. Like, I, I, I have a pretty good recall for, like, song lyrics and uh, song keys and uh, just musical-related, ner- like, nerddom stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm really good at uh, 80s uh, WWF wrestler hometowns. <laughs> <laughs> You're good at comic books? Yeah. You're good at, like, personnel on albums? Yeah. I feel like I've heard you riff with, like, Firth and Mayo on, on, like, that level. I'm like, wow. Just nerdy stuff like that, though. But so like, but I, I won't remember that, like, I was supposed to move the car this morning. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's 9.45. You're like, oh, my God, I just got a ticket. Yeah, I sure did. <laughs> so, oh, now we have open... Open pots on the stove here. No, no, I mean, this is our conversation. Oh, I'm shit. looking at the I stove, but I was thinking, like, okay, I want to I want to know about your fashion phases. So you always, this is a dialed-in program. Cardigans, like, you feel comfortable. I do. I own a few. And I laugh because it's just, you know, it just reminds me literally of, like, the first school dance I ever went to, and Mom, like, bought me that outfit. Well, I had, and at the time, I had, like, a pretty much had the same haircut, right? Except the one difference is that I had a tail. Oh, you had a rat tail? I had a freaking tail, yeah. Did you love the tail? Oh my God, I thought it was so dope. Did it? I thought it was so dope. <laughs> Did it get like crazy long or was it like in check? It was in check, I think. Yeah, yeah no, I never let it go crazy. It was like, I mean, you know, I was trying to be smooth. Mm-hmm. And then I had, um, you remember like the crane machine that you would like win prizes in? Like you had like a joystick and oh, you put a quarter so in, put, it was a crane and you yeah, got like you things crane and you could pick the, yes. I um, had won at this time via a crane machine a pair of like Dwayne Wayne flip up uh, sunglasses. Oh my God, dude. Son. <laughs> you couldn't tell me nothing, man. I was like. <laughs> 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 so, like, picture that outfit cardigan. You, you had the flips up? Yeah, I had the flips. I had like these knockoff, like, Cabarici pants. Oh, were the flips just black and like Ray Ban esque? Or were they the. Wireframe, like like wireframe, wireframe, yeah, wireframe, like perfect circular, you know, John Lennon esque. Oh man! Except they flipped up like Dwayne Wayne from a, a different world. That might be like too old school for some of our listeners. That's like uh, 
A Different World was the Cosby Show spinoff where like Lisa Bonet went off to college <laughs> and Kareem Hardison played <laughs> played Dwayne Wayne. Dude, Dwayne Wade, he was he was smooth. He was like eventually. ironically smooth. Yeah, right? eventually. Like, At first he was like just like kind of like nerdy, but still cool. Nerd cool. He was he might have been the original cool nerd. He might have been where you ripped your whole thing off, right? You were wearing him, those him and De La Soul, you know? <laughs> Dude, that's good. I got a pair of those in Ray-Bans recently, the flips. Oh. Maybe they're like seven years old, actually. Okay, I should say that. But I, I kept them around because, you know, you just lose and get rid of sunglasses. And I kept those around. And I was like, these will have a moment. These will have a, a life. I don't know when it will happen. Yeah, well will done. Happen. I might need to see these before we go. Mm. All right, so and so, tell us, tell us where all this natural music came from. I don't know. I don't actually know. So I want to know. Is it your dad? Yeah. sings and plays. Yeah, yeah. I come from a, like a musical family. So both my parents sing. Both uh, my dad plays guitar. Um, my brothers and sisters sing. You know, I got one sister and two brothers, and uh, lots of cousins, and just it's kind of like a regular thing in our house. Uh, even in our extended family, cousins sing, aunts and uncles, and I think I'm the only one that uh, in the family that does it for a living. But like my dad is the man at the family parties. You know? <laughs> <laughs> He's like the guy. Like we'll be going to like a family party, and my father be like, "Should I? Should I bring my guitar?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, pop, bring the guitar." You know? He's like, "Yeah, you think?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, pop, you know, bring it." <laughs> Why would he not want to bring it? Well, you know, he's, you know. He's just being modest. Yeah, exactly, you know. Maybe maybe they don't want me to play, you know. Yeah, they want you to play Pop. <laughs> they want you to play. <laughs> so my parents are both, they're both from Puerto Rico. And Pops has, like, like, you want to talk about memory. Like, he's got the most amazing recall of, like, every standard, like, ballad, like, Spanish, like bolero tunes, you know. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, mm -hmm. plays, you know, nylon string guitar, you know, where he's kind of, like, you know, playing his own bass lines with him, you know, and, 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 and he knows everything, you know. Like, oh, Tio Carlos, can you play, uh, you know, Besame Mucho? Yeah, I got that, you know. Oh, Tio Carlos, can you play, you know, uh, you know, La Copa Rota? Yeah, yeah, I got that, you know. He'll just take a second and, yeah, yeah, I know that one. Like, he's played them all when he was a kid, you know. He was trying mm -hmm. to emulate his old, his eldest brother was a self-taught guitar player. And then my father, like, you know, self-taught himself, you know, self-taught himself uh, to play guitar and, and, you know, great ear, great voice. Mm-hmm. And then the kids, we grew up with our, you know, ears glued to the radio, listening to whatever was was hitting. Did he encourage you guys to sing as like little seeds at the party? He's like, sing this part or sing with me. Or was it kind of you watching kind of from afar and be like, my dad is a man. I got to learn how to do this. Yeah. I don't even know that if I ever gave it that much thought. It was just we were always singing, you know. So I kind of, I didn't know that that wasn't the norm. Like I thought that every family did that, you know. So he he would sing. I mean, mom would sing around the house, like while she was cleaning. And I remember thinking to myself, like, man, mom could be on solid gold, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my my older sister was like the voice in the family. She she kind of still is. She's beautiful, beautiful singer. Um, so then we would you know team up and sing together. You know, like my sister and I would sing. My my brother Kevin and I would sing. Mm -hmm. and, um, it was just like this was this was the norm. This was like, I feel like <clears throat> culturally it's like a post-dinner activity too. Oh. Maybe? Maybe. Or you're talking like all the time, but like instead of turning on the TV oh. or like you guys would, as a 
family, like these big family gatherings, like let's sing some songs together, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. If it's like a family gathering, then sure, yeah. The guitars will come out and songs will happen. Yeah. Is it a set, set, set list? That's a double set, but a double, like, would you do the same set list every family function? Or is it just like your father just could do that? You're like, ah, we did that last time. Let's do this other track. Yeah, no, never, never a set list. He would like... He, he would just get burning and do whatever. Now, when it came to the point that we, were, we started singing and kind of taking it a little bit seriously, like come uh, maybe high school, you know, now we got songs, you know? And now it's like, okay, me and my sister and my brother and my cousin have a group. Mm. <laughs> and, <laughs> and now we're singing everything by Boys to Men and we're singing everything by Jodeci, uh, by Shy. Oh my God, dude. And then it's like, yeah, it's, it's become a bit of a set list because these are the songs we know. Mint we've, Condition? We've worked at the Harms. Oh, yeah, I love Mint Condition. You're the one who hit me to that band. Oh, my God, so dope. And I'm listening to that, I was like, how did I miss this? Yeah, man. Man, so you guys were just, this is, this is it. You answered the question. This is like um, any great musician, and you ask them like, oh, so when did you start? And then they like think about it like, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like something was always there, right? It was, it was always a part of your life. You were always singing. Well, always singing. Always singing in groups, doing harmony like that. Yeah. And the funny thing is, before that, my family's also really um, artistically inclined, like uh, visual art. Everybody draws in the family, like mom and dad, all the brothers and sisters. Um, and up until maybe eighth grade, I was n- like known as the kid that drew in class. Me and my brother and my like everybody was always like we you know face down in like a notebook drawing like superheroes. Really? Yeah, you know. So like if I run into somebody that knew me when I was a kid, they're like, man, I was, I remember you always you always drawing like Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> you loved Aquaman, son. <laughs> <laughs> but when I was in eighth grade, uh, I moved to a new school. We moved a little bit. I grew up in Rockland County, New York, like in the you know uh, Mid Hudson Valley. And we moved, you know, just a little bit further north up to Orange County, New York. Mm. Still in the, you know, suburbs within about an hour of, uh, of New York City. And um, my sister had entered into a talent show, a school talent show. And she t- wanted me to sing a song with her. And we, and we did a duet at the, at the school talent show. And I remember immediately, like the next day at school, like I'd been at school for like a couple of months or something like that. And then the, like the next day at school, like all the girls in eighth grade, like knew who I was now. And I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> this is what I do, son. And like I pushed the, pushed the cray paws aside. And <laughs> I don't think I've drawn since. <laughs> I haven't picked up paper again. I have so much as picked up a pencil. <laughs> oh man. And eighth grade is exactly the time that that happens, right? Yeah, like timid little beesky. I, I I'm wearing like a oversized Raiders starter jacket with my matching Raiders damn. starter cap. Damn. That, <laughs> that when I couldn't wear it on my head, I rocked it. It was a snapback, so I hadn't gone out of fashion yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let alone come back. Come back. I rocked a snapback on my belt loop. Oh my god, that's yeah. fire. I had a Raiders hat, but I didn't have a starter one. Bro, mind you, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you one player on the Raiders. No. Did Bo Jackson play for the Raiders? Back yes, then? we had Bo. Okay, I could have said that. I'm not. I'm saying like we, like I'm a Raider, but so, Bo Jackson was the dog. Yeah, he was like he knew. 
He bo- bo- knows. <laughs> bo- <laughs> he knew Boo everything. Boo knows. Boo knows. I remember specifically, this memory haunts me, that I was on the phone in eighth grade with a girl that I had this huge crush on, right? And as I'm talking to her, I overhear her brother is like, oh, who are you talking to? And she's like, oh, this is, you know, I'm, talking to, I'm talking to Brian Pajasa, you know? And she's like, he's like, who's that? And she's like, you know, you know, Puerto Rican kid, he wears the, you know, the, the Raiders jacket. And, yeah. and he goes, ask him who, ask him to name one player on the Raiders. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. dude didn't even know me and saw right through my freaking bullshit. <laughs> and he's like, yo, ask him, ask him to name one player on the Raiders. And so she's like, hey, uh, my brother says, and I, before she could finish the sentence, I'm like, oh, listen, I gotta go. My father, my father needs a phone. And she's like, oh, okay. And I hang up. You ghosted her. <laughs> yeah, bro. I, well, I, I was just, I needed a way out of that conversation right then. Right then. Because in your I was brain. about to be called on my bullshit. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I gotta go. I, I'll, I'll call you back. She's like, oh, okay. Oh, he had to go. Which was acceptable to do that. Son. Remember that. I, I was commending, you know, to this day, I'm kind of commending myself. That was like that a was good a way sm- out of this. Again, no, this is, this is proving the smoothness. Like you're, yeah. You're smooth beyond smooth. Right. Lucy Macchiarolo, if you're listening to this right now, <laughs> I got off the phone with you that day because I couldn't name any players on the, I don't know anybody on the Raiders. On the Raiders. <laughs> but you know Bo, that's all that matters. Bo knows, man. He was in every commercial. Well, this relates to the buying California in the Northeast because I had a Raiders hat too and I thought it was the coolest hat. And a few years ago, I brought back a Raiders hoodie. Right, right. I was out in San Fran and I bought this hoodie I don't, I just think it looks cool. Silver, oh, it the best. black, it's yep. just like oh, cool as that like, right? pirate guy logo. It's killing, he right? An, he had an eye patch. He had an eye patch? It looks hardcore and you're just like, and. And I think I was, you know, I was just young enough back then that where it was like, you you know, that was like the dom, the, you know, that's that started to really emerge as like the predominant, you know, hip hop culture, right? You know what yeah. I mean? Meanwhile, we're from, I'm from New York, you know what I mean? So I'm like, yeah. I'm loving Trap Gold Quest records and De La Soul records and everything, but like, <laughs> The, the West Coast thing was starting to come on real strong, and I was like, oh, I need me that Raiders jacket. Yeah, it was like something exotic and something different, right? You probably grew up wearing Yankees hats, and... Yeah, I came from a Met family. You came from a Met Die family. Die-hard Met family. My father and brother, long-suffering Mets fans. Me, I don't really follow that much, but you know, uh, I root for them, you know? You root for the Mets. I root for all the New York teams, you know what I mean? Of course, but like, I think in eighth grade, when you're like trying to self-identify, right? You know what right. I mean? Like, why the fuck? Yeah, why am I wearing Raiders? Right. I had sad Buffalo, and they lost like four Super Bowls in a row, right at for my age in that era. You oh, know what I mean? Damn, and it was just right. like, but they got there. They got there, but it was just like I, they felt like losers, and I, I was like, man, I feel that's the super, first here. Super Bowl I watched. The Giants versus the Bills in yeah. 1990. Yeah, that was a good Super Bowl. Cause well, and then it was like immortalized by Ace Ventura, the kicker mm. who kicks the field goal and then goes insane. <laughs> <laughs> And the, have you ever seen the Vincent Gallo movie, Buffalo 66? I have not. Okay. Someday you should watch it. I don't think I've seen a Vincent Gallo movie. What? I know of him, for sure. Brown Bunny? <laughs> you know. I may or may not have seen that scene. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. I, no, I, I mean, know that one I know part. Bra- I mean, I know that. I know Brown. <laughs> well, that's kind of like, the, but anyway, anyway. We digress. Yeah. Sorry. Quick tangent there. But. That, dude, that makes so much sense because right in that seventh and eighth grade, it's like when my mom came home with a guitar, I started playing guitar, and to me it was a vehicle because I saw a band of seniors, 
rock, a rock band. Nice. And I just saw babes like watching them, like, you know, like the way lions look at zebra on the, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? And I was just like, I got to do this. Whatever this is. I grew up in a musical household in a way, but not where I was just naturally singing. You know? Right, So right. when someone like you sings, it's like, oh, no, this is what, this is what, this is what he does. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you, man. It's, it's really, it's interesting. And it's funny because I, I, I was always into music. I got a guitar. I asked for a guitar for Christmas when I was 10. Dang. And um, I got one. And it was one of these, like, electric guitar. You know, you don't, when you're a kid, you don't want the acoustic. You want an electric. You want the electric immediately. Immediately. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. there's no, like, yo, start on the acoustic because then you'll get good. And then by the time, <laughs> like, that, that logic is completely lost on anybody that wants a new guitar. So I got, I asked for this electric guitar. It's black. And it's, like, it's got a, uh, it's got a built-in amp. <laughs> so it's like electric guitar with like a freaking little speaker in the side, uh, uh, you know, in the side of it. And, and uh, it's, it says Terminator on the freaking headstock. Oh, that's and hot like, though. Bro, the hottest shit ever, you know. And I get, I get this joint for Christmas. And I'm so like over the moon about it. And I take it out, you know. It's, it takes like a nine volt battery. <laughs> <laughs> Put a battery in it. You switch it on, yeah, and you can you can play, you know. Um, except I I then realized you, I don't know how to play it, mm. and I realized early on this is going to take some work, and I'm like you know, oh fingers aren't supposed to do this. Oh you're not you know, and 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 I, I promptly just put the, put it back under my bed and like that I, was that. Right? I didn't yeah. do anything with the guitar for like another ten years. <laughs> well. I was content to be the, good, the guy that sang. The guy just who was singing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And did your dad like just show you some stuff or? No, but, you know, I he think he probably didn't want to push you towards music. He's like, all right, man. I think him being self-taught, he was like, you know, I could teach you what I know, but I'm going to teach you wrong. Yeah. And uh, you know, also it's a drag to you know, like I, to this day, like sometimes I'll, I'll I'll visit some friends of mine or, or family, and they're like, you know, my kid loves music. You should teach them to play guitar. You know, and I'm like, all right. But they're a little kid right now. So it's yeah. like, you can't teach anybody guitar until they, they're dying to play guitar. Yes. Right? Yes. Like, I, you, know, even, you know, even now I'm a terrible guitar player, but like, I'll, 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 I know what I know, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, your fingers aren't supposed, supposed to make those shapes. No. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's grueling. You got to be super patient. The learning curve is very steep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To even get like off, to get the little playing off the ground is like three months. Right. right? Yeah. So unless you're like some prodigy in like South Korea or North Korea. Mm. <laughs> We've seen the video. Yeah. Right. You're not <laughs> like you shouldn't bother with guitar until you're at least four, 14 or 15. Yeah. Right. Like why? You know, because you really just want to impress people. You're so keyed up. And then, wow, this is just you're talking about my profession. It's like I had a little guy yesterday. Cameron. He was cool. He came in. Kill a cam. Kill a cam. Cameron. He was wearing Gucci. No, not really. But his, he was... <laughs> Picturing this elementary school guitar student all in pink furs. Yeah, the pink fur. Oh, man. The record Purple A's, right? It was named after a Jimmy yeah, Andrews record. It was yeah. like, he's ripping off Hendrix Cameron right now? Yo. Um, his father had just exposed him to so much rock and roll so that he was just like, do you, he was quizzing me. He's like, can you, can you play Thunderstruck by ACDC? I was like, okay. Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. He's like, can you play Crazy Train? And so he was just, you could see the fire in his eyes, and he was just like, oh, my God. He's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
See, and now you got now he'll do whatever you he's say. He's hooked. He's already in. I don't even have to do that much work. So See, that's you're. Dope. I love that. That was a great sentence. You have to be dying to play guitar. You gotta be dying. Guitar. You gotta just. It's like that's it. But you play bass. You I play, play bass. all the string instruments. Eventually, the bass just came. Those Alex, two. You're bass the one who was first. like, "No, bass is where my heart is." Like, <laughs> my first instrument, you know, other than other than my voice box, was a bass. Because so at this point, the 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 the, the teeny bop singing group that I had with my brother and sister and my cousin has now um, turned into a, a, a trio. Right mm-hmm. now, it's just me, my brother, and my cousin, and uh, you know, we're starting to get some. Um, some attention from uh, uh, you know some labels, and we're you know we're we're doing our thing, right? So um, we're recording label attention. Yeah, we had were you like playing a, around town. Were you playing in the city? Were you like playing at the bitter end, or did you just no? You know, you didn't have to play out really so much then. I mean, we were playing out like you know here we are at this coffee you know, shop. Or, you know, right? We're singing at a coffee house, or we're we're, we're doing a talent show. It was a lot of t- a lot of talent shows. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then we had some attention from uh, uh, an imprint of RCA Records, and you know they're kind of like, you know, having us come down, take some voice lessons, you know, season, you know, and and, and um, we're recording some demos, we're doing, you know, we're doing some things. So you're moving, you're shaking. doing some things, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, we we now we already have this idea, you know. Now we're like me and my cousin and my brother, we're like you know, here's what we're gonna do, yo. We're gonna we're gonna be huge, right? We'll be playing stadiums, you know. We, you know, we, the three of us are singing and doing a dance routine, right? And then we're gonna turn to our band members and be like, yo, let me see that for a second. <laughs> and I'm gonna take the bass, and you're gonna take the guitar, and you're gonna get on the keys, and then we're gonna start burning up because guess what? We're all so brilliant at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, all, and all you need is the instrument, you know oh, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, and then it just comes, you know. So anyway, you know, we go out. And you like, got chosen on bass, or did you? Did they, I you, chose you, the bass. I was like, yeah, I want to play bass. Yeah, my my brother already played a little bit of keys, and then my cousin was like, yeah, I'm gonna play guitar. And uh, yeah, I took to it. So you know, I got the bass, and and then um, immediately just started, you know, playing along with my favorite Stevie Wonder records, you know, who I had kind of just discovered at this point. Okay. I mean, like when I was growing up, Stevie was already was still big on the radio. Like, but this is like eighties, eighties Stevie. You know, I just called to say I love you, part time lover Stevie. So I was I loved that. You know, but also like I was you know already a liner note junkie. You know, all my favorite Jodeci records say like thank you to Stevie Wonder. You know, all my Boys and Men records say like you know, worship Stevie Wonder. You know, so I'm like yeah. okay, Stevie's more than just this guy that's you know blind and has the braids and sings freaking. I just called to say I love you. You know, <laughs> and. um I had a voice teacher that was like, nah, you need to really like get hit to these records, you know, and I just, you know, started checking them out and I'm like, oh my God, you know, now I'm like, no, yeah, I just got a bass and I'm like, why can't I play Sir Duke? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get do I do together. Yeah, exactly. I just don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> to this day. <laughs> um, yeah. So then, you know, that was, that was my first, uh, my first stringed instrument, you know, and then I would start writing and, you know, kind of. You know, the you know having the bass would kind of like help me, you know, with with the writing. Probably grounded the whole thing, right? Like, yeah. You learn a lot from bass because it just like ties you to the most. It's one note and it's the rhythm, you know. <laughs> right. right. This is like where the real. <laughs> this is the shit that's really the reality. Okay, this of is the it beginning is. of it, you know. Yeah, it's funny that you say that. I was because I, I saw Steely Dan last night. Yeah. At the Beacon Theater, first time I ever seen Steely Dan. Just freaking magnificent mm. thirteen piece band and. I'm just locked in on the bass player. 
And I'm like, you know, because I'm like every, you know, I'm just thinking about, okay, this stuff is pretty difficult to play. You know what I mean? Like uh, on any of those instruments up there, yeah. like with the bass man, it's just, this is the guy keeping it, holding it down. Just you know what I mean? So at its core, you know, it's, it's, it's that guy. <clears throat> I also think like in a way, bass playing, it exposes you to a different type of thinking. And it's like almost higher order thinking because you have to, envision the whole framework of the music, mm. you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you're like, you're seeing the music or feeling it or hearing it in a totally different way. Whereas singing, you or, or guitar playing even, to me, it's like, you have to be real close and ready to turn on your, the performance. Whereas bass is like, okay, it's like inside your head. You're like, me jumping around and flailing out and being flea, like, will look cool, but it's not going to get me through the song. Oh, you know right. I mean? yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bass player's got to be grounded. Him and the drummer got to be like. You got to be like on. You're thinking about shit the whole time. That's why bass face exists because you're like fuck. Bass face. You're like god damn it. When does the chorus come? It's coming right now. Okay, I'm gonna tell everybody. Here it is. Like yeah yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> so did you guys do the instrument thing? This is um, the beginning of Live Society, right? The very beginning, exactly. So this at, is at like, this point, we are a, a just a vocal group called Elon. Mm. E L A N with an e -L -A -N. accent on the E. Elon. Elon. <laughs> and where did that name come from? Well, we were looking stuff up, you know. I was looking at <laughs> Dictionary, you're like, yeah, that's yeah, hot. We need something dope. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Our first, we originally, uh, we our first name was Sol. S-O-L with like a, a, a line over the O. Sol. Yeah. Sol. Like a little sun. Right. Yeah. Like could be like Sol music or Sol mm. means sun in Spanish. You see, whoa, we were deep. We were deep. That's we were deep. good. It's a good name. We had... We had performed on uh, its Showtime at the Apollo on, oh my God, uh, on, on NBC. You know, we were like, <laughs> this was like big, big, big time. You know, that's the big time. And um, uh, so, so now uh, my sister uh, had a baby, and now she's out of the group, and she's you know kind of just you know focusing on on uh, on raising the little one. You know, and now the three of us are like we're, we're re regrouping, and you know we renamed the group. Elon and um, we we were recording some demos. You know, we're working with these different producers and stuff. It was kind of like getting training as like a, a a top liner. You know what I mean? You mm -hmm. get a track from a producer. You're part of like a crew. You know, yeah. we've got a bunch of artists. You know, we got a rapper. We got a group. We got a solo male singer. We got a solo female singer. We're about to be the new bad boy. You know, this yeah, is yeah. like this is it. This is what it is. You know, and. Um, we had our idea about you know learning, uh, learning to play and getting proficient. So you know I, get, I buy the bass. <laughs> my, my brother's already got like a Casio keyboard, and, my, and then my cousin buys a guitar, and, and uh, um, everybody promptly kind of forgot about it <laughs> except for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, st I still played you know a little bit you know, and uh, Jason was like, "Man, that thing hurts my fingers." <laughs> Am I true? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he wasn't dying. Yeah, to exactly. Play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To this day, you know, me and Jay, you know, for anybody that knows, Jay, Jay Vegas is a wonderful singer. You know, also from the from uh, my band Life Society. <laughs> He'll be like, "Yeah, but you know, I, I I didn't take to it like 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 you. It didn't come easy to me like you." I'm like, "Bro, it doesn't come easy to <laughs> nobody. <laughs> you gotta suffer through that. You gotta suffer. My hand don't make those shapes. Nobody's does. No, no, and." <clears throat> 
if you take like four days off, five days off in the beginning, it's like you're starting again. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like you can't say consistency enough. It's like if you do it every day, all of a sudden your hand will be like, oh, here's a G. Yeah. For sure. Do you find that as a guitar player, though, there is a thing that some people just have a touch where um, they have like a, a just a, a kind of facility with the instrument, even with, you know with inexperience that some people just kind of take to it more than others? I think, I think there's definitely a bit of that because it's like maybe like a mechanical kid or kind of like a kinesthetic person. You know what I mean? I wonder, right? Because, I mean, like I, as a singer, <clears throat> I was born, you were born with singing. a natural, you know, vo I have a voice, I have an ear, and then I work on that. You know yeah. what I mean? So I've got, but I've, you know, have a big leg up on somebody that doesn't notice. You know, if somebody can't sing and doesn't have that genetically, they're not going to never. They're come. probably never going to be able to, say, you know. So <laughs> does that kind of thing exist also with guitar player? Like it's like, I, I think a little bit. It's probably like the little kid who's like really, really good at Legos gets the guitar really quickly, right? Because it's like a, it's still a machine. You know what I mean? It's like, can you understand that when you turn this thing, it's mm -hmm. turn. You know what I mean? Like an engine. Someone can look at an engine. I don't know <clears throat> what that type of intelligence is. You right, know what I mean? Right. But there's definitely because then there is a whole musical intelligence too, right? Like where. Certain people can just understand theory so quickly. You right, can explain right. it to them, and they're like, okay, yeah, I got it. And then other people, you explain it to them. Like, I remember as a kid, I just couldn't. I was like, what are you talking about? Glaze over immediately. The ninth? I have no idea what you're saying, dude. Mm -hmm. Like, immediately. <laughs> immediately. I was just like, I have no idea about it. I'd the be in third, like, in, I'd be in choir, and, you know, like my, my, you know, teacher would be like try to take a moment and just like explain the slightest things about theory and I would just immediately my eyes would just kind of like start wandering and like, like there's nothing I would care to hear less <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm like no you and you know <laughs> this theory stuff makes sense you know it's pretty cool yeah I kind of like this yeah but, do you have thinkers like that in your family like like math techie kind of thinkers um I have uh, my niece is like amazing at math, and you know I think my dad is like pretty solid about you know. Yeah, some people just that get kind of it. Stuff. Me no, no. Uh, I in school, it. like math and science, I'm like, I, like I, I got nothing for you. And then like I was into like history and um, um, literature, you know, literature, like English, English, you know, like so reading, you know, learning about whatever you know uh, cultures and stuff like that. I was into that, you know, but math and science, I was lost yeah i think to conclude that's to get back to elon but yeah if you have this kind of mathy sciencey brain sometimes some people can just understand the machinery of the guitar very quickly because yeah, and yeah. but then there's probably like you as a young guy right you could you could probably immediately understand <laughs> rhythm you just right. knew it you were you were singing you were dancing you're yeah. hanging out with your family i have students I have two of them, in fact, right now. And I call them a, they have arrhythmia. Like they just, mm. you, man, they can't even clap with the metronome. Or, wow. You know where you're just like, it's like I'm watching them suck so bad that I'm just like, wow. What do you do for that as a teacher? Like as an educator, is it your job to like, just say, I'm here to teach you, regardless of whether <laughs> you have <Yes>. any <laughs> propensity towards this? <laughs> or is it like, do you try to be like, hey, maybe music management's for you? <laughs> I think you should check out this thing called math, dude. Yeah, I see a good career for you in the sciences. Ironically, the kid with arrhythmia got like, 
just under a perfect score on the SATs as a seventh grader. He got like a 1590 as a seventh grader. Holy crap. The child is, he's the one I'm explaining to him theory. It's like he understands it before I explain it to him. He might as well be explaining it to me. Oh, wow. Kid cannot play just an eighth note, like jump, 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 jump. I'm like, just do this. And he's like, ah, he's like rushing and slowing up. I don't know, man. But he gets the theory of it. Immediately. Oh my God. Like his brain just like destroys anything apparently because to get that score you obviously have to understand words and language okay too. so if mechanically he can't play rhythm he could still be like the next john williams or something yeah yes and he's drawn towards composition that's dope i don't know man i'm just you know it's like you got into you the light was shown on you in eighth grade and yeah. like he's around that age it's like I probably probably know what's motivating him. You know what right, I mean? Yeah, yeah, right. So we just we stay on the path because like he's got to get there. Right. You're gonna get there somehow, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe this isn't the way, but it might help illuminate the path. You know, like maybe it. Yeah, maybe it leads to him being John Williams. You know. Yeah, yeah. You know his kid play, sings for Toto. What? The John Williams kid, the composer, the film scorer. His like, son is the lead oh, singer of Toto. You're blowing my mind, right? That's a little mind-blowing. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Presently. Like, so he's not Bobby Kimball, who was yeah. the original lead singer. So, uh, I forget his name. It might be John Williams Jr. But he is the lead singer of Total. He sings the Bobby Kimball sh shit and sounds just like him. He's amazing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> John Williams seems like a cool, down-to-earth dude, too. Like, so... Like, have you seen, like, videos or interviews with him? Like... He's just this Herculean figure of uh -huh. film, but he's not, he's like so grounded and down to earth. He doesn't, oh, wow. he doesn't have like that air of like, I'm a composer. Right, right, right. That's crazy, bro. That's wild, right? And <clears throat> that's like that old keyboard player for Dawes. Like his dad was an actor. Remember that dude? It's like no. every LA band. And then you go into their lineage and it's like, oh, that's uh, Willie Nelson's second cousin. Oh, wow. Uh, Dawes is one of those bands that I, I hear so much about, and I've never really, I, I haven't done the knowledge yet. That's okay. Um, but I hear good things. They're good. You would like them. Uh-huh. Someone hit me to Butch Walker last night. Do you know Butch Walker? Um, I know the name. He's, he had a band called The Marvelous Three in the 90s. He's a guitar player? He's like a singer-songwriter. And he, any big rock anthem of the past 10 years, he was like the dude who co-wrote like Taylor Swift's like rock hits or something. Oh, wow. I'm listening to this shit last night. I was like, it's every day in music. You know how it is? I'm like, how, how do I not know this dude? Like, right, right, for sure. so killing. <laughs> for <Like>. sure. <laughs> so it's impossible. The, right, the moment came also for me in hip hop. Like I used to read the Source magazine religiously. Like not only the Source, and I realize this is where a lot of my like nerddom comes from. Some, I needed need to consume all information I could about my favorite shit at all times. Yeah. So I'm like subscribing to the, to the source. I'm yeah. subscribing to Vibe magazine. I'm subscribing to Double XL magazine. Oh, I'm subscribing man. to Rap Pages. Maybe I wasn't subscribing, but I was at the store, the newsstand. I'm buy buying them, Rap Pages. Them, so this yeah. is pre-internet. Like the, you didn't, you know, internet's just kind of coming around. Like you had to buy these magazines, you know, and it was like a huge deal. Which albums got five mics in the source, you know, as a rating. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. You know, so I was just, I was so into that. And I, there was a time when I knew there wasn't like a, 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 a key player in hip hop that I didn't know about. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like Dr. Dre's producing this, Pete Rock is producing this, uh, um, uh, uh, DJ Premier. Uh, uh, Easy Mo B, you know, like, you know, Q-Tip, 
JD, you know, yeah. pre pre J Dilla name switch. You know, there was like, damn, I knew about all these cats, and now I'm like, I don't, I don't know none of these guys. <laughs> I suppose I'm old and washed now. You know what I mean? It's like there's like a whole new. I feel like there's been like three generations of like hip hop producers that have been killing it these days that I yeah. don't even know who they are. You don't even know mm-hmm. who they are. Yeah. Well, I'm out of the loop. Do you do you just for fun check out the Spotify top fifty and then find yourself unable to even consume the music? So you're like, all right, I'm gonna go back to my. No, you know I, I don't. By habit, I don't necessarily just go hop on Spotify and check out what the hot the hotness is, but I don't. I'm not necessarily averse to whatever's hitting right now. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll listen and and I'll like quite a bit of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then the stuff that I don't like, I realize is that's just not for me. You know, like it's it's not made for me. Like it's for the it's for the kids, and that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but like I, you know, I'll yeah. get into the new Drake record. You know, that's just dope. You know, Aww, like I, a, see, that's what I'm saying. Is like I know you know that stuff though. Like yeah, yeah. You're being modest and humble. Like you're you're checking that out. I know you know what's happening. Oh, but I'm saying like only if. But Drake is like the biggest artist in the world, right? Right yes. now, you know what I mean. So like. That's the only thing that makes it through to me. You know what I mean? Mm. And like, sometimes I'll listen to the Joe Budden podcast and they'll be talking about like stuff that like, yeah, oh, and then this, you know, they'll talk about stuff that's understood in the world. <laughs> and then I'm like, I don't even know who that is. Like, like damn, no like, when did I stop, is. you know, when did I stop paying attention? So <clears throat> does that mean you go in Wikipedia then? I do the Wikipedia, sure. Yeah, because I, like the way you're explaining your... Like someone who loves information and just consuming yeah. it, you must just like Wikipedia. Just must you there, must be like, oh man, where did forty five minutes go? Shit. Like, there, <laughs> yeah, there's nothing that I'm into on a real level that I won't immediately um, jump on Wikipedia or Google to try and find every and learn everything about it immediately. Yeah. Right. So. <laughs> When I, you know, I'm watching Mad Men for the second time now. I'm going, oh. you know, and I'm kind of catching things I didn't catch the first time. And I'm like, oh, man, they they just fired this dude. You know what I mean? And, you know, it was really messed up. And, you know, and I'm, I'm looking up. Why did Don, why was Don so mean to Sal? Yeah. <laughs> like, I need to learn about, I need to read everything I can about this particular episode right now. Like, oh this was me gosh. last night. When Game of Thrones came out, I watched the first season. And I was like, I cannot wait till next April for the next season, I will immediately buy all the books. And we're gonna re- <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read. <laughs> so yeah. that's the way I am with music too. You know, I'm just like, okay, I'm into this. All right. Now I need to know no, everything no, there is everything. to know about it. You know? Yeah. No. And you do. I know when I talk to you, just the way you just named hip hop producers, I'm like, he knows everything about like this stuff. I can't even, you're exposing my ignorance. Um, <clears throat> the Mad Men, that's dangerous, man. Oh man. It's so dope. Do you find that show? Leads me into just a path of like I think I can drink way much more than I can. Oh you know man! I mean? Yeah, you just want to drink freaking Canadian Club <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I remember watching that show. I was like, ah, he's drinking. So I'm gonna have a drink, and then I was like, wait, I'm drunk now. It's four in the morning. I'm watching seven episodes of Mad Men. Like that's a, a beautiful show. Amazing show. And Amazing I bet the show. second rewatch is like, oh man, it's so dope. It's getting more. It's like deeper and more beautiful, and you probably see the whole because it's so slow too, bro. For sure, yeah. <laughs> For sure. I have like this this appreciation for those slow burn shows. Yeah. Like I'm really into like anything David Simon does, like The Wire and I'm uh, watching uh uh what's the new one? The Deuce. 
The Deuce. The, have you seen that yet? No. It's amazing. I know it exists. It's about like 70s, late 70s uh, era, New York City, Times Square, like the rough Ed Koch year 80s uh, yeah. in New York City. You know, where like it's all about like the prostitutes and pimps in Times Square, you know, and like the the beginnings of like the porn industry. And the, it's like super interesting stuff. That's like the pre-AIDS yeah, exactly. Right? That exactly. was like pre-AIDS. Pre-AIDS was pre-crack. Pre-crack. You know, so it's like it was just a fucking free-for-all, right? It's just like, what is going on? The Times Square 80s, New York City was the Wild West. Wild West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's super interesting. And it's like a slow burn. Like it's David Simon's real novelistic with his stuff where you're like you know, something that happens in season one might not pay off till season four, oh, you know, but when it does, yeah. you're but like, you're like oh, oh my God. Yeah. 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 And the Wikipedia thing, well, it just makes me think of this though. Cause like when we had the magazine and you read it 10 times, remember mm-hmm. you read the liner notes and you memorized it and then you knew it. Now Wikipedia, you read it once and then it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a different information and like culture is consumed so differently, which is why it fascinates me. Like, how do you check out music? How yeah. are you learning music? And everybody is a little different now. Oh, I have Apple Music, or oh, I just learned it on YouTube, or uh, I don't know. You know, I don't check me out music. You know, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't really check out music anymore. I just listen to podcasts. You know, yeah. So Caleb's like, he honestly was just like, oh man, I haven't even listened to tunes in like two years. I just listen to podcasts. That's true. He's so honest, and you're like, wait, fuck. I, I think def- that's right. I definitely find myself discovering new music less. Well, no, I still listen to plenty of music, right? But the new things that I'm checking for are old things, right? Mm, like, I mean, there's a few, there's a few newer, you know, present artists that I'm, you know, crazy about. You know what I mean? Like, I love this dude, you know, uh, uh, Gabriel Garcon Montano, who's like a, you know, uh, you know, a present day cat. You mm. know, Moses Sumney, present day cat. I'm super into, you know. But mostly, I'm like. Um, you know, how did I not know about this old shit? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes. There's like this this uh, this 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 band out of out of Puerto Rico that I'm super into. That it's like proto, like pre even the term salsa. You know what I mean? Like you know traditional Puerto Rican music, and it's like they're 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 called Cortijo y Sucombo, and they're like you know they were huge, and somehow I didn't know about them <laughs> until oh, like man. you know, and they're from the fifties. But your like, dad was probably singing the songs yeah, at the well, party, yeah, right? I, I went and visited them like a month ago, and I'm like, why didn't y'all tell me about this? And I play it. <laughs> and then my parents are singing along every every word they know. They're like, oh, yeah, you didn't know about that? And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, this is like, like the dopest shit I ever heard in my life. Like, why, are you, you why did you tell me about this? Can't bless your, 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 your progeny. Can't bless your youth. That's so funny. And they're probably just like, what? We just, that's, that's yeah. what we were, what do you mean? That's in the DNA, you know? Yeah. Come on, get it. <laughs> That's so interesting. Wait, so, all right, let's finish how Live Societies came about. Because we got to okay, right. Milan. You're like, sounds like your late teenage years. You got record labels. You got the whole production. You got Bad Boy Records coming. Right. We had, and, then we, and then we got signed to a development deal with uh, Columbia Records. And... You know, this was like, you know, a development deal would basically be like, we're going to send you, we're going to give you, a, you know, a couple grand and you get in the studio and show us what you came up with. You get, you know, come up with like three songs or something like that. And yeah. And um, we did that and we started working with a, with a producer and, 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 you know, co-writing tunes and, and, you know, singing some of his tunes and, 
Everything was going really well, right? And then this is right when Napster hit. And uh, um, basically every label like let go of about 50% of their staff. Yeah. Like it was just like the industry was forever more was changed. That first tanking, yeah. Right. And our A&R happened to be one of the dudes that got let go. And so there went our deal with, with it, you know. Um, and then what we ended up doing, we, you know, we kind of like, wallowed around for a little while kind of trying to figure out what the next next thing was going to be and everybody was kind of making their own moves and um i started working with a band um i met the homie dean scala mm-hmm. amazing uh amazing guitarist human singer talent. songwriter you know he's just you know really um talented cat he's also from the um hudson valley area mm-hmm. and uh you know a friend of mine was working a day job at the time and a friend of mine at work was like man you got to go you got to go see this dude, Dean Scala. You know, he plays at this, he plays at this, at this bar, Pineapple Larry's. Pineapple Larry's was a bar in Newburgh, New York, that was literally downstairs from a halfway house. <laughs> <laughs> it's like in the middle of the hood, and like they Larry's. had music there. You know, and Dean was playing there with his trio, um, and killing it. You know, and they were like, "Yo, you got to see this dude, Dean Scala." Like, yo, this, he was this white dude, and he sings freaking Maxwell. <laughs> I'm like, oh, word, you know? Yeah, dang. <laughs> And I go, and Dean's killing me, singing and, and, and playing, and, and, and uh, his, drum, his drummer was a dude named uh, Eric Perez, mm-hmm. and Eric was amazing. And, uh, you know, we all hit it off and became fast friends, and, I, you know, I would sit in with the band a lot, and, and um, eventually um, Eric, you know, you know kind of started putting together a group of his, of his homies to also do, like, gigs on the side, you know, when he wasn't busy with, you know, the Dean's Gallup Band or whatever. And that ended up being what grew into Live Society. So it was like, um, you know, Eric Perez on drums, uh, Anthony Candulo on bass, um, John Kaiteris on guitar, and Scott Harper on saxophone. Mm. And then they would have me come sing. And it would be literally like, hey, we're doing a gig, small thing here in freaking Tarrytown, New York. Um, you know, we're going to play... We'll do all instrumental or Scotty will sing for the first set. And then you come in for the next two sets. You know, like it was like we didn't even have enough material. And the band was called the Bus Drivers at mm. this time <laughs> for some reason, you know. And uh, from so I started gigging with them and I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. At this point, I hadn't really done the live band thing. Okay. Right. So I you know, I've got... I've got a, 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 a moderate amount of performance experience under my belt, but it's me and my brother and my cousin singing to tracks, usually, or singing a cappella, or, you know, like you're doing the vocal, vocal group thing, yeah. thing, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Singing to TV tracks or whatever. Um, so now this is my first experience where, like, doing it with a real band, but not, not only just a real band, like, these guys can play, like, they're burning. No, you're you're you know talking I mean? about legends. Yeah, yeah these the guys names are, you just named are, are monsters of the New York City scene. Yeah, yeah those guys yeah. are Anthony, like. Eric, come on. Like, Serious cats, crushers. you know. Dean crushers. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and, I'm, and I'm like learning <clears throat> under these dudes, you know. Uh, so you know, my mind's being like kind of blown. I'm like, oh my god, I can sing these Stevie Wonder songs now that I've just, you know, that I've been, you know, uh, absorbing for the past couple years. You yeah, know, like some yeah. these Bill Withers tunes that I got, you know, like just like the cool early '70s stuff that is just, you know, kind of blowing my mind. Sing these Donny Hathaway tunes and, and the oh band my god, just is like killing it. And you're these like, Michael Dang. Jackson and Prince tunes, like live, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's how you know. I, and so it's originally just me, and then I said, you know, then I f- reached out to my cousin and my brother. I'm like, yo, 
y'all gotta get with this thing that I'm doing now. Like these guys, like they can really freaking play and you know, let's, you know, and, and it would start, it started with them coming and sitting, sitting in, you know, like I would have a gig, you know, in Tarrytown that was paying 500 bucks if we're lucky, man. Yeah, you know what I mean? Lucky. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and they would sit in, you know, for no money or whatever, you know, and then eventually it was like, yeah, we got a thing, you know, we got an R, we got like a real R&B band here, you know, with mm. no keyboard player. <laughs> <laughs> but John Kai Terrace was like this freaking, you know, it was and is this brilliant guitar player who could just, you know, comp so well and he, he could, he, he covered could do all anything. the keys. Yeah, shit. yeah. And then you had the saxophone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And we're doing, you know, just kind of whatever. We're doing Maxwell tunes. We're doing D'Angelo tunes. We're doing, you know. Damn. And, having so much fun that eventually um you know we turned it into a, a a new band you know the bus drivers turned into live society we had a vote <laughs> on what the name was gonna be you know? <laughs> and i think i came up with live society and that became a thing you know and from there we were like you know this band is too good to only play covers let's you know start working on some original stuff and kai Terrace was writing a lot and i still you know I, I was writing a bit and um, that's kind of how, how we started. The recovery from Napster. That's amazing. The recovery from Napster, right. Knocked us out of our, our deal. Yes. And so, wow, that's a big band, too. And that was your first. So were you, were they like teaching you how to front a band? Kind of. That's like yeah. a whole learning curve. And it sounds like you're getting with some real experienced cats like right away. And then they're, you're just like. Yeah. You solo because you're such a strong front person in front of a live band. That is oh, thanks. That takes a long time to you yeah. don't just and it was like kind of a thing that I was learning kind of the ins and outs and the do's and don'ts. Mm. You know what I mean? So it wasn't nobody was saying yo be like this is how you front like you should be doing this here. You should be doing, you know. But there was a lot of nah son you don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Eric, Eric, nah, uh, I always looked at you know as like he was the guy. He kind of put the band together, so I always kind of defaulted to him. And he mm. had a couple years on me. Yeah. They all had a couple years on me. So I definitely, there was a lot of like, okay, is this cool? <laughs> you know, is, it, is this what I do? Is this what I, you know? Uh, and I would learn kind of, uh, you know, etiquette. Mm. <laughs> etiquette, you know. Um, yeah, how to not step on anybody's toes. Yeah, in a yeah. way, you're coming in as a front man, but someone else's band. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot to uh, navigate. At a yeah, young age, yeah. You know? Exactly, exactly. And, you know, Eric had some, like, defined kind of sensibilities of how he thought things should go. You know, so was, there was a lot of that. Um, and then from there, I kind of also started, um, while do, we're doing our original music, but then I also started getting hip to the, the club date scene. Mm -hmm. You know, and I started playing with, with other bands and, you know, kind of seeing how they did things and... and you know, from my bar gigs, you know, I already had like a pretty deep repertoire, you know what I mean? That enabled me to kind of transition into the club dates very easily. And um, and as a male singer, it's already a hot commodity. It's like... Yeah, yeah. Have rap, will travel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it's like, it's like, it's like um, male dancers or something like that. There's just, if you do that thing, you have work. I always try to explain this to young guitar players. I'm like, start singing now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah. There's not enough male singers. There's a reason why I sing. It's because there just wasn't enough. That's oh, why I'm like, yeah. All right, I guess I'm going to do this because someone's got to sing this tune. So you were just, that's it. You got, you were making bank. 
You're living the high life. I'm living the high life. Life Society is the original project. It's coming together. Yeah. You're like, yeah. I'm yeah. in New York now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's it. New York proper. Uh, you know, we, 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 we record an EP. And I'm hitting all the clubs in New York trying to get gigs, you know. And mm. I, get a, I get a phone call from Kenny Gorka at the bitter end. He's like, Brian, I love this stuff. Why don't you come play a gig, you know? And uh, yeah, that was my first. That was my first gig in New York City. I think was the, the bitter end. Did you got? Did Live Society? You label stuff? Was that a thing or label stuff was never really a thing with Live Society. We were always kind of just doing an indie thing, and kind of didn't. Did you guys tour a little bit, like travel around, or we were not the touring band? Yeah, the Cats kind of said early on, they said, you know, we're you know, we're not the guys that are going to be on the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, we kind of want to stay, you know, here, you know, on the home base. So you know, we were pretty much relegated to the tri-state uh, area. You know, mm -hmm. play our clubs, you know, put out our records. We had a, our our following. Um, in New York and in in our like Hudson Valley home base, you know, and it would be we'd do a show up there, get a big crowd there, do a show down in New York, you know. Was it still at Pineapple Larry's or would it be uh, Gullies? Gullies. Oh yeah, we had a we had a we had a standing residency for like we played every Thursday at uh, at a club called Gullies on the on the on the Hudson River. Yeah, it was a boat. It was a it was a barge. <laughs> it was a bar on a barge. <laughs> That stayed docked. It didn't go anywhere. It, was, it just stayed put right there. And we played there every Thursday for years. That's how a band hones their shops. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. This band could get together right now and do a four-hour gig and just be like, yeah. For sure. Whatever. For sure. Covered. Everybody in the band's still playing, too, right? Like Everybody in the band's still playing. John Harris moved out to Portland. And he, um, he is doing really well as a physical therapist. He's you know kind of changed his, his living, but he's still playing. Portland, Oregon. Too, Portland, right? Oregon. Yeah, yeah. He's a real hipster. He is a he's a proper hipster. Yeah, now, yeah. You know? wow. <laughs> exactly. What year did you move there? This fascinates me because that town just seems that's like a. This was probably enclave. around 2014 or so, kind of like right around Portlandia. Yeah, yeah. The dissolution of the band yeah. was you know when when Katera's left, you know we're like all right, I think we you know Katera's kind of the heart and soul of that band, so I'm like we can't really. Can't really keep doing the live side thing. Hand Did hand. you guys have like an official breakup, or was it just? There like, was never ah. an official. You know, we're still we're still we're still, a we're still exactly. on hiatus, but yeah. you know, we just haven't done. When he left, we booked a, a farewell concert. Mm -hmm. We did it at the Falcon up in up in Marlboro, and it was a beautiful thing, man. Like we packed the house. I was like, wow, I didn't know people still really cared. You know, um, sold out show. And we did all the all the live society classics, and, and Kai Terrace still plays his ass off. That fool is, he's gifted. He's touched. <laughs> did you record it? Did you make a record? We recorded it and promptly did nothing with it. Yeah. Well, we filmed we filmed it, but I don't think we got like a board mix. Mm. So we've got it, but it doesn't sound good. It's okay. I my band we never the thing never like broke up but we mm. haven't played in years and my idea really recently i was telling the guys i was like i think we should do a farewell show record it and release it as a record and he's like oh dude we, we haven't played in like four years i'm like yeah but how funny would that be but if we do it now that's so like, dope <laughs> that's so dope you guys can still do this when he comes back to visit be like hey guess what john right we're doing a record right yeah. <laughs> now what do we call it like the last real talk what like what yeah. <laughs> Final real talk. The final real talk. The realest. The realest real talk. So, so then, 
And Brian, usually, usually these are the things I decide, but this is the beautiful thing about a podcast. It's raw and it's real. I usually play people in with a track. If I get ah. this name wrong, it's just because I'm dyslexic. Starbound. Yes. Starbound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll play this in. Okay. Is that song about you? That song is... No. No, it's kind of like a a character song. A lot of those songs on those EP, uh, on that EP are kind of character driven. At least a couple are. Um, and that song was a co-write with Greg Mayo, mm-hmm. the, 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 the boy genius himself. The boy genius. <laughs> I just listened to your episode with him. It was freaking amazing. How, how is it that I've known Greg Mayo, brilliant cat that he is, for years, and I, I didn't know any of those stories that he told like I'm like these are all amazing stories. He's so professional. Yeah, he's uh, he's the consummate professional. Yeah, our nickname for him in college was the million dollar side man. That's so real. That's and he literally is. You know what the, the nickname uh, Colin Smith, uh, another genius, has uh, has has come up with for uh, Greg Mayo? What's that? Ain't nothing wrong with. <laughs> it's yo. <laughs> he says to me. You know, Brian, I was, I, was, I was trying to think of something, you know, the, the best way to describe, you know, Greg Mayo and his, you know, myriad talents. And, and I, I think I've got it. He said, ain't nothing wrong with Greg Mayo. <laughs> <laughs> I said, son, I think, I think you're right. Hey, you're totally right, man. Ain't nothing wrong with Greg Mayo. There's, he's the best. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that you enjoyed that podcast because as I've done this and learned about the podcast and thought about it. I look back, it's like Greg is the boy genius because he understands the art form of the podcast. Right. He like, This is true. Right? He under, he knows what it needs to be. Right, right. You know what I mean? That's a testament to him. Yeah. He's more versed at... He's so, good at everything. He's fucking good at everything. He's good at sports. He's good at music. He's good at hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what? Come on, dude. Give us a give us a chance, bro. Like. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let us lesser beings, you know, get 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 down too. So Mayo and I, we're in the studio working on some stuff. Now he helped kind song. of uh, push you into this, right? He was like, Brian, let's do your songs. Yeah. Because he's a he's a fan of you. He's, and, and it's like the Mutual Admiration Society, you know, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of him. Um, we met at a back scratch session. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the back scratch sessions? Yes. We, you know, we were, we, we were on a gig where he, the Greg Mayo band had drawn Live Society and had to play one of our songs at a gig. Yeah. For, for our listeners that don't know what this is, we just, these were almost like secret Santa musician events mm. where you would come and you'd play a couple of your own songs, but then... You, Unbeknownst to you, somebody else that's playing that night has drawn your name out of a hat and has and has learned one of your songs and is going to play it that night also. Um, so that's how Greg Mayo and I met, um, and we 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 stayed you know cool for years. And as Live Society was kind of wrapping up, I was feeling the need to do something solo, and kind of wanted to. Um, cover some ground that for some reason I was we never reached with Live Society. I think Live Society, live as a cover band, we were really funky. And we, yeah, I mean, we co- but we covered a lot of ground. So we might be playing D'Angelo one song, and the next we're doing Steely Dan, you know, or the next we might be sing- doing a Tom-, a Tom Petty song. You know, it was a lot of influences in the band. So when it came time to write our, our, our own stuff, um, it was 
always super soulful for sure, you mm -hmm. know, but I think it wasn't as greasy as it could have been or, you know, there were, there were, there, there I had some itches that I still wanted to scratch, mm. you know, so yeah, rather than say that it wasn't as anything, it, it was, it was, it was perfectly dope for what we did. Um, but I was like, you know what, you know, I think, you know, I want to get back to, you know, some of my influences, you know, from when I was growing up that I still adore to this day that I haven't really, I guess a way to put it is, as I'm doing the Live Society stuff, um, I'm kind of evoking the the newer influences, the stuff that I'm getting turned on to now. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So a lot of new stuff was creeping in that wasn't necessarily the R&B stuff that I grew up on, right? Yeah. So as I'm doing it, I'm getting hip to like folk music. I'm getting hip to like Jeff Buckley. I'm getting hip to the Beatles. You yeah. know what I mean? I didn't grow up on the Beatles. I grew up on freaking, you know, Lisa Lisa and Cold Jam, you yeah. know? <laughs> so... Um, all of that's creeping into the music that we're doing with Live Society because I'm getting, I'm just getting turned on to that. So now it's like, after all of that has happened, I'm like, hmm, you know, there's some, there's a part of me that I've been neglecting. And right then is when I'm kind of setting up these co-writes and I, I decide that uh, to book a gig at Rockwood because, and, and without having songs, I'm like, I'm a, I booked a gig a few months out and I'm like, now I better write songs so that I have something to perform. <laughs> You, yeah, yeah. So I hit Mayo. Good. I'm like, Mayo, help me out. And he's like, yeah. You know, so he's, he was big in kind of helping me to, you know, find what it was that we were going to do. You yeah. Know, what the sound was going to be. And he's, he, nothing wrong. You know who was big in that too? Jay Stolar. Yeah. The homie Jay Stolar was, we, he, he and I would have like these late night talks at Rockwood. And he'd be like, bro, what's your shit? You know, these people want to hear you. They want to hear your stuff, you know? Mm. And uh, yeah, so between Stolar and Mayo and started doing some co-writes, you know, wrote with uh, um, Anthony Candulo from Live Society. You know, he and I wrote a song the for the EP. Pony. That dude's cool as fuck. Dean Scala, the homie. We, yeah, he the and homie. I co-wrote a song for the EP. Uh, Aki Burmese. Aki Burmese was another dude that, you know, kind of seeing him early on with Abaraki made me feel like shit <laughs> in the best way you know you know when you're like he's got oh, all the shit together i didn't son. check this out yeah well you know it was like the it was like it was the funkiest shit you know it was just so dope so greasy and and that band is fucking badass yeah and i was like yeah yeah i'm uh, you're i felt like oh yeah you're Bisky, you're neg you're neglecting a big you know r&b and soul funky side of you you know what I mean mm -hmm. so then I was like that's this you know I want to I want to make some music that, that, that I want to dance to yeah you know like yeah what happened to dancing I was saying this last year <laughs> you know ain't that fun why no one has time to work on choreography anymore what's, what's yeah, the dance yeah. moves man right or even you know you don't have to choreograph but just you know just, just some, some shit that makes you dance man yeah so Greg and I get in and I'm like you know he's like what do you want to do you know what? You know, I'm like let's do some you know, Minneapolis funk meets uptown New Jack swing revival shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're like, hell yeah, you know? And he and I get in the studio, we start cooking up a track that's like heavy on the Lindrums. <laughs> 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 he starts playing some greasy ass, you know. Guitar uh, shit. Guitar shit. And, 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 and there, there we go. We're off and running. Keys shit. Yeah. Synth shit, yeah. Yeah, and Starbound ended up being... A song that we wrote from the perspective of a dude, like a small town dude, 
who has a girlfriend with Hollywood aspirations, whatever. She wants to be a star or whatever, and he's feeling um, insignificant and uh, rather than be supportive, he's just a dick about it, you Mm. know? So it's like, yeah, you know. Cool, you know, go go do your thing, you know, you know, and I'll, I'll be here, you know. Bring me back some freaking In-N-Out burger when you come back. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, that. I'll still be here. Yeah, yeah, we'll be right here where you left us because you'll be back. Mm. Well, you know, so that's what Starbound is. About. You know, I think I kind of, um, I I approached a lot of these tunes. I just wanted to write from like kind of a different perspective of like just your kind of standard. Let me, let me. Let me sex you up tunes. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, that is. That's cool. And so like a lot of the tunes. And a friend of mine actually said, uh, uh, interviewing me for another podcast, said, you know, I'm hearing a lot of some, some Steely Dan in this writing. You know, it's like really dark and sarcastic. I'm like, bro, man, I just want to hug you right now. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, like, actually. That's like the greatest praise. And, and yeah, you know, there's, there's definitely that in, 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 in a lot of that writing. Mm. Did, did you guys, this is really for my own. So I'm not asking a general question, but did you, do the track and then kind of do a top line right to it like yeah. that. It sounds like you built this, like you built every part of the track. You're like, here we are. Let's do this kind of thing. And yeah. then I'm going to lyricize this music. Kind exactly. Of Cause that's maybe something, you know, you're like, I know how to do that top part. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we did. We, we built up a track, had a groove and then you wrote came up with a melody, a speed rap. Yeah. It's fast. The, the tempo speed- of the track, it's kind of fast. Dude. I was like, damn, the speed rap came later. So we had the song pretty, the song was all done. Okay. And then I'm driving around with it, listening to it. And in the intro, I'm, you know, I'm just in the car and I'm like, you know, I'm just, I'm, the flow came to me. Yeah. And it had this, it had a tone where I'm like, I, I feel like this needs to be like a, 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 a Charlie Brown from Leaders of the New School or like a, 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 a ludicrous. <laughs> like a luda rap. Exactly, right? Like yeah. a really, like a bassy, you know, uh, a, 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 a bassy kind of like fire rap, you know, rapid fire thing. You yeah. Know? And uh, that thing came and I kind of wrote it in the car, you know, and I voice memo man. I'm like, yo, what do you, what do you think about this? He's like, hell man, that's, that's fire, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, it's rad, bro. That's really rad. Yeah. That's fucking dope. Yeah, yeah, that shit. That's one of those things where you're like listening. You're like, this is killing. But then you, as in my music brain is like, this is fast. <laughs> this is smoking fast. Like, yo, man. Thanks, thanks, bro. It was like, yeah, it just came. You know, came at the last, at the last, at the at the twelfth hour. You know. Yeah. Well, the track is fire. Not trying to wrap this up, but what song do you want to close this out with? Because you said I got a new single. Is that Don't Dream It Over? Don't dream it over is a is an eighties pop tune, right? Isn't that yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Hey now, hey now, don't No, so the, the new single is a song called uh, Crowded you're, House. You're, you're right. It's exactly. in my brain. Um the new single is You're a Dream to Wake Up To. God damn it, I'm sorry, Brian. No worries, bro. I told you. That's also a co-write with Greg Mayo. And you're a dream to wake up you're to. You're a dream to wake up to. A couple weeks ago, I was listening to Don't Dream It Over on repeat. So this is uh, it's I'm a like, oh, fantastic it's the dream, dream record. song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So nice. your song is You'd Be a Dream to Wake Up To. Yeah, You're, you're a Dream track. to Wake you Up To. You did a video for it. I did a video for it, yes. Yes. I did. Recorded, uh, filmed right here in Queens, Queens, New York. Queens, USA. Queens, USA. <laughs> and um, yeah, we were going for like a... Um, a certain like brand of like late 
80s, early 90s R&B bounce. Like, you know, I was really into like Anita Baker, Sweet Love. Oh, And like Al B. Shore, um, Al B. Shore, uh, uh, Night and Day. You know, mm-hmm. uh, just trying to get trying trying to get that groove, that groove back, it, bro. And also listening to a lot of like Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis produced, like Janet Jackson and uh, um, New Edition records. You know, <laughs> where it's like this <laughs> Your really thing is so deep, bro. You like you've checked out everything. Super dense um, harmonies, like just these colors and the harmonies that are like these clusters that I love, you yeah, know, that's clusters. really bright, you know what I mean? And then just a funky, funky groove on top of that. Jimmy Jam described it recently in like a, an interview as me and me and Mayo love this, where he said, yeah, you know, where you got like the, the pretty top with the funky bottom. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so fucking profound. <laughs> I'm like, that's it. Yes. The pretty top with the funky bottom. That's the meaning of life. That is literally the meaning of everything that we do. Yeah, that's right. perfect. That's yeah, yeah. as good as it gets. The so, funky top. Yeah, yeah. Pretty top, funky bottom. Pretty top, funky bottom. And so, so are you guys doing more tracks? Are you going to do a new record? Are you writing a little bit now? Getting, right, just, 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 just starting writing again. I don't mean to grill you. It's like, what, so what's next? What are you doing career? now? Nothing. Nothing with so, my life. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Mad Men again, I told you. Uh, <laughs> season three. <laughs> I'm checking out Deuce. That's really good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Television's very good right now. Prestige, prestige television. No, um, I'm in the studio with Mail uh, in a couple hours. We're working on some new stuff. Um, we have a new track uh, that we've been that we've been working on. Something really greasy. It's mm. a bop. It's a bop, son. You know. Yeah. Very danceable. Um, so we're 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 in the studio later today, and then yeah, I'm just trying to get back in. Uh, Get back in for the next step. You know, winter is when you like regroup. You know, it's starting to get cold again. Let me retreat into my alcove. Yeah. And uh, just cook up some new. Do you write like pen and paper style or do you write just. I wish I did more pen and paper. Um, Songs with me are like driving around and something pops up in my head. Yeah. You know, and then I I lay, lay that melody down on my voice memo. And like kind of live with that for a while, um, or a line might come to me, and you know, I'm like that's clever. You know, let me write that down in my in my memo pad on my phone. Mm-hmm. So everything's done on the phone now. So if like this thing goes, I'm screwed. <laughs> um, I think about that. Do you back it up then? Yeah, you got to do that. Where you like, oh fuck, if I lose this, yeah, yeah, back that phone up, dude. Yes, um, word to juvenile. Um, so yeah, it's 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 all down the voice, and and then like it'll be like I'll have a moment where I'm like, let me sit down and go through all these voice memos and see if I have anything there. Mm. If I do, all right, let me start kind of expounding on that. Find a melody for this, or find a lyric for this melody that I came up with, and you know, then I hit the hit the old logic in the home studio and come yeah. up with some work on the home demos, and it's a slow cooking thing. Just yeah, slow. I think everybody's process is interesting because it's. Like the consumption thing. It's like some people only do guitar or only do mm-hmm. keys and it's acoustic and it's experience like this. But now it's all moving to like, I'm just going to do it on the machine and I'm going to write to what a beat. Yeah, yeah. With a chord progression already. Or right, right. Someone like you, you could probably do it any way you want. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. For, you've dropped almost all of the cool music I've ever heard in my life. Now. <laughs> so it's like, you got so many influences, it's like, oh shit, I gotta like focus my thing. You oh know, man. Like, right, or you're like, god damn it. 
Yeah, sometimes it's hard to focus on, on what what it should be, right? Because I, I, I feel like one of the things that's been kind of one of the hallmarks of the music is that it, it's kind of all over the place. <laughs> With Live Society, we had so many influences, yeah. you know, and... Because I kind of, I mean, I kind of like that also. I mean, there were there were multiple lead singers, you know what I mean? Like I might, you know, I sang most of the leads, but you know, Jason might sing lead on this one, or Kev might sing lead on this, and um, now it's 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 not enough to just be like, okay, this is like an R and B thing, you know? And I was like, well, what kind of R? Everything's got subgenres. The subgenres have subgenres, you yes. know what I mean? Is this R and B? Is this alt R and B? Is this dream pop? Yeah. <laughs> is this? You know, so, I, you know, I don't know. I like it to be, I like it to groove. You know, I've gotten to a point where in my live shows, I need a percussionist. Mm-hmm. You know, like now it's gotten to the point where I, I need an extra percussionist because that shit just makes me want to dance, man. And I feel like those those are the moments where I'm just, I'm having the most fun on stage is when I, you know, when the band is just, I don't got to do nothing. You know, what I'm doing is... Icing on top of this freaking smoking hot heat groove, the, the magma yeah. that these cats are giving you, you mm-hmm. know, and 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 then we can get funky and then we can have fun with it, you know. And then my influences come from a lot of places, you know, all my R and B stuff. I got some, you know, some some the, the 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 Latin salsa stuff that comes from my upbringing, you know. And then I got the hip hop stuff that I, you know, that I worshipped, and you know, and you know, so everything's gonna be, you know. I, 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 I like some rhythmic, you know, just just some some funky stuff, you know. Yeah, like you have too many options. Like you too can many sing options. anything. Right. Now like, we gotta like hone this in. You yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> I have to create this character. I mean, I don't think you have to. I think it's the industry telling us, like you know, it's like when you put on a Slayer record, you know what you're getting, right? Yeah, yeah. For thirty years, they put up the same record for or sure. The Rolling Stones. So it's like you're consuming this product, but but sometimes it's good to have. Some help in honing in on, on one thing, right? Because if you love it all, you know, that, that's, that can be amazing too. You know what I mean? You can do like a, you know, a Beatles record where they do, nothing sounds the same nothing except for that same. it sounds like them. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say about you. Or anybody, I can always hear you. Or right. you can hear the, the writer even though you're in a different genre, right? Like, yeah, because your record, it moves around. It's not, oh, here's another. It's like very. Yeah, yeah. It's all different things. Yeah, you know? I think it's it's cool. It's interesting to like to see like the different approaches and the way you can go with it. I was hanging with my cousin uh, Luis the other day from uh, the amazing band Busca Buya. They're killing it, you know, in Puerto Rico right now. Playing him something I was working on. It's like this R and B tune. And he's like, man, that's cool, man. He's like, it's got a lot of chords, you know. Like, what if we? What if? <laughs> what if you singled? You know, pared it down to the four best ones. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, yeah, there's an He's idea. He's a drummer, too. There's an idea. Yeah, he's kind of one of these multi He could do everything, he does, but... He does everything. I like that I mean? you call him a drummer, because, like, drummers are good at helping people simplify shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And their band is, like, they're really killing it, and it's it's like that. They, we found this singular groove, and we're going to freaking beat this and just, you know, give you, like, a killing melody on top of this and some really cool... Sparse production, you know. I'm like, all right, that's that's some cool shit to check mm-hmm. out too. You know, there's like yeah. so many ways you could do it, and it's that's why I I like getting in with in the studio with cats that just that that get that because the studio itself is its own instrument. You know, like yes. the, to be able to able to really like take an idea and like okay, let's make a, a record out of this, a production. You know, that's what you know cats like him have. Cats like Greg Mayo that are like you know 
yeah, we can make this sound deep, however you want, you know? Yeah. How do you want it? We'll do it. What do you dig, you know? It's like a musical problem that they can solve. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. But so can you, man. Like, yeah, I... I'm just baffled by the amount of music that you consumed and retained. Yeah. Well, you know, well, I think, but that, that that's, it's a blessing and a curse though, because yeah. now I'm like, <laughs> can we make this sound like uh, new edition? Uh, can we make this sound like new edition, a uh, gangstar and funkadelic at the same time? <laughs> and then it's like, no, no, no dude, well, because that's, that's a little bit too much, but yeah. <laughs> they're so separate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> That's like literally your problem. Yeah, you've yeah. Seen, like a, I'm like, wait, what, but why not? You know, you're the giant piece of marble. They need to right. shape away. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's find the best kind of things of that. that yeah, you no, know. this is real talk. I remember uh, being on an email chain where your song list came out, and people were texting me like, "What the fuck is this?" And it was like, what you, "You sing like 500 tunes." You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> I had a. <laughs> People are like, you're kidding me, dude. Like, I only know 40 tunes. Like, pick the, you know. So that that really is your the the curse of uh, being uber talented. You know. I had a band leader <laughs> once refer to my song list, like my cover song list, as a as an embarrassment of riches. Like, yeah, that's, funny. <laughs> that's real truth. That's the truth. You know. Yeah, but also some. I mean, sometimes. Because I'm into everything. I really am into so much stuff. Just a you know, huge I went through a fan. Yeah. went through a Beatles phase. Went through a big Jeff Buckley phase. Went through a big folk like folk country phase. You know, I really got into like Amos Lee, and through Amos Lee, I got into like John Prine, and then like mm. Towns Van Zandt and Steve Earle. You know, like there's. A, I'm really into a lot of that stuff. You know, but sometimes it takes uh, it takes a, a critical. Uh, or an outside eye to be like, yeah, but also the, the, like hone in on what your real thing is. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, you know, I don't think these days, like when I was in doing live study records, you know, I was doing records that were kind of bringing out some of that. Like we had like this folky vibe, you know what I mean? Yeah, and you check it out. Singing, you know, s- singing R&B over that, you know? Yeah. Whereas these days I'm like, yeah, that you know, I that's a I love that kind of music. But I don't think I'm putting my best foot forward if I'm making that kind of music. You know what I mean? Like I should be putting out some something a little a little funkier, you know what I mean? Leave it leave it to the guys that really bring that home. Do this full time. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like and and and, and I'm I'm kind of leading a, <laughs> I'm leading a revolt against uh against dirge Against dirge R and B music, <laughs> you are though. <laughs> because I listen, I love, or I'm quite fond of a lot of like Adele records, and like she's amazing, and uh, you know what she does, and Sam Smith's really freaking cool, and you know I, I kind of get, I'm kind of over the, uh, the over serious, um, stripped down cover of like classic R&B and dance tunes. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Sam Smith's got a cover of, like, uh, Whitney Houston, How Will I Know? That sounds beautiful, right? Yes. Yeah. It's a fucking dirge, man. It's yeah. like, it's like just a piano, like him really morosely singing. How will I know you mean he loves me? Like, cool, you know? But, like, you know... Adele sang like a tribute to George Michael at the Grammys or something. It was like fast love. It's like freaking 
it's a groove, man. That's a bop, you know. And she sucked it all out <laughs> and did this <laughs> overwrought, overwrought uh, 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 theatrical dirge, mm. <laughs> you know, just this yeah. slow version of fast love. And I'm like, you're like you this know, again. You know what? No, like nobody here heard these. Like, who heard these songs and said, you know what was holding this back? From being a real piece of art, like a serious piece of music, that freaking funky groove, you know, yeah. that, <laughs> that, that backbeat, you know, like, come on, man, let's dance. Yeah. <laughs> let's dance, you know. <laughs> like, James Brown is a genius. James yes, he Brown is. is a genius. Michael Jackson is a genius, mm-hmm. you know, like, let's, let's celebrate that more. I've got like a, a beef. Against uh, like kind of the mindset that something's not like a, a real piece of or a serious piece of music if you can dance to it, you know. So that like, is serious. Read all these. Uh, you know, I've grew up on all these magazines, right? So Rolling Stone was another big one, you know. And then I would notice in all of their lists of like the best and most important artists, it's like Dylan's number one. Dylan's always number one. And Stevie's like freaking eleven or something, you know? And I'm yeah. like, what? And I love Dylan. I really, I freaking. He's cool. I love Dylan. Dil, Dylan's freaking great, man. Mm. But you know what? You know what I mean? Like James Brown, freaking. He's the king. You know, that's a. Uh, you know, there's 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 something about, um, th- you know, making somebody making somebody get up and dance, that is undervalued. Undervalued right. and and you know. You know, go see a bar band that can't do it. You know, of which there are zillions. There's a zillion. You know what I mean? You get some real grooves going on. That's what I want to hear. You know? So, like, when we did this record, it was like, let me get the killers in here. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Let me get, you know, we got, you know, Eric Brown to come play drums. We got Dmitry Gordevsky to come play bass on it. And Aki Burmese is in here playing keys. And, you know, Dean Scal is on guitar. Mayo's on guitars. And Mm. Anthony Candulo. And... And Anthony Almonte is on percussion, you know, and like, yeah, cool. <laughs> These are dudes that know. Now we're yeah. cooking, you know. I always say that, you know, like it's a it's a cliche to say groove is king, mm-hmm. right? But a lot of people don't respect that at every instance. You would right. right you would think this was You'd understood be like, more. Yeah, we all say it a lot, but it's like, do you really feel that way, or are you gonna bust your cool lick? Like, come on, dude, just yeah, play yeah. the fucking groove, play right. time, right, and let the. Groove do the work. Yeah, yeah. You know? And drummer. Just drummer. Like, just find a pocket. And don't lay there, bro. Is it's a mother. Lay there, bro. <laughs> lay right in the Oh, cup. my God. Yeah. There's nothing that that disappoints me more or saddens me <laughs> more than when you get a drummer. <laughs> saddens me. You know, I'll get with a drummer, like, we're, who, like, really proficient. Like, drummers that can play, man, but may not necessarily live in that world. Mm-hmm. Right, and you get them on a tune where you're playing like, "I want to be your lover" or something like that, you know. And they are playing fills all over that outro groove, you know that, you know. And I got a drum this one, you know, doing like every every trick because he's like, "Oh yeah," you know. For some reason in his mind, this calls for. This calls for the chops to come out. Like, yeah. no, this is the time you really don't do that. <laughs> you know, like this is when you lock in that groove so tough, man. So tough, yeah. Go watch the Roots play. Mm. 
go watch the Roots play, man. I just did a gig with the Roots, man. I got to sing backgrounds for them. And I, <laughs> not only were we doing Roots music, you know, but we were just singing background, background for like a bunch of guest artists that they, that they, that they had, including at this gig, Booker T of the MGs and okay. the Isley Brothers. Oh, Jesus, bro. Son. And I wasn't singing background for the Isley Brothers. They brought their own background singers and Booker T didn't have any, there's no vocals, whatever. I'm watching side stage as these masters are just like digging in so hard. And, you know, Questlove Quest as a drummer really gets it because he's, you know, not only is he a music encyclopedia and student, you know, but he's a hip hop guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they're all about this. We took this four bar groove and that's 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 the song. You know what I mean? Like find it right here, you know. So just grooving so hard and and keeping it about what the, the, the real essence of it is without all the extra, you know, theatrics. And, you know, I love all that when it when it's time for it. You know what I mean? Get me some gospel, some some funky gospel music. I'm in for it. You know, I'm, I'm here yeah. for it. But when it's time to just groove and sit in there, bro, find that pocket. Uh, you you, you uh, speak something I feel so hard. I mean, when I when I'm working with other musicians and they're doing all that bullshit, I Kenny Shaw just summed it up, man. Okay, he line. just looked at me. He was just like, I, you know, grooving's a different thing, and it's not for everybody. <laughs> K-Line gets it. K-Line gets it. K-Line gets it. He respects it, and that's, yeah, he's someone taught me, like, what do you do? What do you just fucking just play? And it, <laughs> and it takes over the room. Right. And you, the work is happening. Yeah. Like, and you're talking about, I mean, like, the, the pinnacle of that. Like, you're talking about Questlove, someone who said, <laughs> I remember reading this. He's like, I'm trying not to play like a metronome. He got so perfect at playing mm. perfectly with the click that he had to put the human back in. Right. Who the fuck does that happen Yeah, to? I read that. I was like, this man is a freak. Yeah. Dude. So he's, and you hear it in his playing, I think now from what I've checked out, it's like he's greasier and looser, but that makes it even deeper because he already went all the way to like total hip hop, playing with hip hop records, click, perfect. And now exactly. he can like, he has all that, but it's like, and you heard that story about how D'Angelo made him made him do it, <laughs> where he, that that whole behind the beat, you know that that Jay that Jay Dilla influence, you know that's just you know that yeah that laid back thing, which he was like, this is the antithesis to what I grew up doing, you know, like yeah. this is like as a drummer, like I'm supposed to be not doing that, you know, and then it makes it so heavy, you know. Yeah. So I, who did you get to sing with? I I wanted to ask you, like, you know, how many times have you been on TV? Like a hundred, like. You are like the call backup singer. Oh, man. The backup singing thing is a dream Mm. because so much of like what I love to do is sing harmony. You get me in a studio and like I'll have just as much, if not more fun, stacking harmonies. Let me do another one. I got another one. Exactly. I got one here too. Always, always. Oh, you want want to double that? Okay. I I got another voice. Is that cool if I add another voice? Is it cool? You know? That's (laughs) That's me. So jealous. I wish. Yeah. That's me. You know, and that's coming from like those boys to men records, you know? Yeah. Um. So, at, you know, I've gotten to sing with a bunch of different people, you know. At that particular Roots gig, it's the Roots featuring the Isley Brothers, Booker T, um, L King, um, Estelle. And uh, there were two Nashville artists, one named Dustin Lynch, um, who's, who's like a big uh, country artist right now. And... Um, Another gentleman who was a lead singer of a band called, ooh, the name escapes me. So 
I won't, I won't try cats. to butcher it. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. So that was cool, yeah. But I've also got to, you know, I got to do something recently with, uh, um, again, I did uh, uh, L. King, you know, recently on the Colbert, Colbert Show. I've done a... Uh, did Stephen come over to shake your hand? Stephen, did he come and shake my hand? No, he did not. He came and shook... Um, Al King's hand, hand. Yeah, 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 as well as well he should. Yeah, <laughs> but, it a, but it was a big band, you know. It's a big band. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure he thanked you for being there, though, right? He did. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Right? Like absolutely. He's they take care of you. Such a gentleman. Yeah. They're very nice. Um, Fallon Show. They're very nice. Mm. Seth Meyers. You know, done all yeah, you've been everywhere. Yeah, I love this. <laughs> and you're so humble, and low key about it. You're like, oh yeah, whatever. No, but no, I'm, no. I'm, I'm I'm elated to do it. I get a phone call to do it. I'm like, hell yeah, you know, like. Whatever. I'm there. I'm clearing my schedule. I'm coming to do it, you know? Yeah. That's when I got the call to the Roots. You know, I had a couple gigs I had to cancel. I'm like, no, I'm there. The Roots? The Roots? <laughs> Please. Yeah. I would hope that the band leaders would understand. If you're now, like, check it out. I can't do this, but it's with the Roots. So yeah, exactly. I'll get you somebody. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and the Isley Brothers would be there. Now, like the Isley Brothers, who I worship, who I, who also, like, let's let's forget that I, you know, I grew up on the roots and that I've probably seen them live nine times. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I used to go see the roots at freaking Tramps, like, which was like the hip hop club back in the day. It doesn't even exist anymore. You know, the roots and Goody Mob in 1995. Like, that's oh, how far back dude. I go with the roots. Yeah. You know, I used to go see him upstate at colleges, you know, the roots and outcast in Saratoga, you know, like, yeah, dude, I saw him at Tuxedo Junction in Danbury. You were right. probably at the show. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So like, let's forget that I'm a roots disciple right now. The Isley brothers who quite possibly are the greatest band that ever existed. I've decided, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's like, let the Isley brothers really, you know, those guys, those guys did shout. Yeah. Like, not just Twist and Shout. Yes, they did Twist and Shout, too. Like, the Beatles got that from them. They did Shout, as in kick my heels up and... Just Shout. (laughs) Right. Throw my hands up and... Yeah, yeah. From that to, you know, groove with you, footsteps in the dark, you know, make me say it again. Like, quintessential R&B records that define what the genre is. Writing what the genre is, yeah. You know, career-spanning... 50 years or like what (laughs) you know what I mean like what are you talking about how is that how is that possible you know and Ron Isley still sings like a deity because he is Mm. you know and I feel like he should be for some reason he's not in the conversation with with singers like Marvin Gaye and and Stevie Wonder and Donny Hathaway but he should absolutely be he's just as good as those cats Mm. he's amazing and you know, if we're talking about influence, you know what I mean? Like the Isley Brothers to this day is being, they're being sampled. You yeah. know, their their influence in popular music has outlived everybody else that we say are the best bands in the world, right? You know what I mean? Like, Do they to, still tour and play? Or um, is this a special event? I... I don't know, honestly. I don't know how much... I think there's, I think they do spot dates still here and there. They're, you know, they gotta be nearing 80 now. You know, Ron, Ron and Ernie Isley. And they still sounded amazing. They sounded amazing. It's interesting that you're saying that, Brian, because... No, we... I don't even think we talk about the roots in a retrospective way because they're still just here right mm-hmm. now. And it's just like a part of life. They're on TV every night. So if someone's like, oh, what's your favorite? I might name bands that aren't even around. Yeah. And it's like these artists that you're kind of naming, like, why aren't, because it's, they're like right here. And they're like, you can't, you can't see the thing close to your face or whatever. Right. You know what I mean, it's like, 
Imagine if the Roots weren't around, it would become they would become the greatest band of all time too. They right, would, they would be like second to the Isley Brothers. They're, right? the like, great, they're the greatest band doing it now. Yeah, they're they're amazing. literally the best band out well, there in the world right here's now. Here's a really sad statistic that Questlove brought to my attention in an interview. The Roots is the last black band with a record deal, with a major record deal, like a band, like an actual proper band. Yeah, and. There's not what the old concept of a record company was, right? Kind of, like a, like like the like a major record deal. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like it doesn't really. Exist they're anymore. they're still yeah. with they're still with Def Jam, right? I'm I'm not even sure. Like, I don't to even be, know. To be yeah. honest, right? They're just. But you know, Mint Condition is not on a major. You know, they're independent now. Tony 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 broke up. You know, like there's with a major deal. Wow, how can that be? Oh man, dude, you're yeah. And and here you go. You got white English people taking the groove out like Adele and Stan Smith, and you're like, <laughs> it's like what? Wait, they're the ones with the major deal. Like they're just taking all the good shit out of this song, you know? Thankfully, there's still you know bands putting the groove back in, you know, like Hiatus Coyote is still killing it, and you know stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> That's you got some groovy Brits. There's some groovy Brits, of course, of course, of course. I'm not trying to rip on them all, but it was fun. In my mind, I was laughing. I was like, yeah, yeah, no, white for sure. English people. <laughs> Taking the hot shit out. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's who I am. I'm like, I got to look back and be like, yeah. wait, wait, wait. Well, for every, every Sam Smith, we still got like a Lewis Taylor, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. But yeah, they get, people really relate to that shit. You know what I mean? Like where you're like, wait, it's just piano and voice. There's, it's something like the podcast. That's true, right? It's and I, I'm, I'm human. I'm discounting a great deal what, there's a beauty to like just stripping it down to yeah, but you're you're uh, you're enlightening a, a truth that we're right. all kind of looking over. Sometimes, like, yeah. Sometimes we're assigning too much. They fucking take much. the drums out of this. Like, <laughs> who, who had a problem with the groove? And yeah. uh, <laughs> how will I know? Here, let me do the payback by James Brown. Just guitar and voice slowed down. Like, come on, that wouldn't work, right? I I I saw it one time on social media. Uh, somebody post a cover, and it was like, songwriter chick does a cover of. Sexual Healing by Marvin Gaye, acoustic, stripped down. And the person wrote in the caption, uh, I never realized what a good song this was until now, or something like, or I never liked this song so much until now. And I nearly threw my computer across the room. Oh my I'm God, like, dude. Really? <laughs> That's just someone who doesn't listen to music. Like, like you're like, man, you, you didn't even check it out. Like, this is just noise pollution in your life. Like, right. The, the Marvin Gaye version of Sexual Healing <laughs> didn't land with you. Because <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't slow and shitty. Yeah. But, 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 but Sienna, Sienna Jodes version from Wichita, Kansas, of which she stripped all groove out yeah and sang it really self-important like uh, like damien rice yeah <laughs> this <laughs> this made this makes you want to make love <laughs> you know you found sexual healing in this uh, format in this hey listen version, i guess to each his own but it made me want to hurl my my imac through a through a window Bro, I mean, I don't, I don't even understand cover culture right now either. It's that's all it is. Everybody's doing the same shit. Son, it's getting, it's getting out of hand. It's out of hand. <laughs> it's out of hand. <clears throat> I saw the same, same shit with um, that Robin song, "Call Your Girlfriend." Ah, oh, that was a jam. I was obsessed with that tune. Working on it, 
then I went online and I was like, oh yeah, everybody's already done exactly what you're talking about. They slowed right. it down. And you're right. like, wait a second, this is a dance song. That's yeah. what's cool about it. It's like dark lyrics and it's like pumping. You know what I mean? Like freaking dance. Dance it up. Dance. So you're doing just dance records. That's good. Yeah, Thank man. God for you. Yeah, man. I don't see any dirges in my immediate future. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the best answer to that question ever, right? Because people are always like, you're self-reflecting, like, what am I going to do in the future? You just answered it the best possible. That was the best possible answer I've ever heard of that question. Right. Nah. No, I'm just going to keep the groove going. <laughs> Nary a dirge on the horizon. <laughs> Nary a dirge. People are still going to be dancing. I'm going to be dancing. I'll make the track. You can hear the track. You're going to dance. Let's That's groove. what it is. Yeah. You know, Quincy had this thing about where he said uh, that Michael in the studio like, would dance, would literally be in the booth dancing as he's singing. You know what I mean? Yes. And I get that, bro. Like, if you... I look ridiculous when I'm cutting a vocal. Like, not only am I making rap pans, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm like straight, like, I'm doing this with all my vocals. I'm flailing my arms about, like, yeah. you know, as, as, as one would expect a rapper to do. Um, but I'm dancing, like, I'm, I'm moving, man, because that's when you, that's when it's right. That's when it's connecting when at Mike, a primal level. Yeah. You know those things that people, like, kind of, like, you know, joke about Mike for, like, where he's, like, doing, like, ah, ah, you know, like, all of that is keeping him in the pocket. And that's why he's got these crazy syncopated vocals that are the funkiest thing you ever heard. And mm. like, you could dance to a Michael Jackson acapella vocal. You could. You really acapella. Could. Yeah. Acapella. You know. <laughs> I heard the. I heard like an acapella version of the way you make me feel. Uh huh. That again made me want to throw my computer through a window for the opposite reason, because it was the best thing I ever heard. You know what I mean? Like just the way he was attacking the phrasing was like. Yeah, it's uh, so fucking heavy, bro, that groove. Yeah. Just in his vocal delivery. Yeah. You know, that's 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 the stuff I live for, mm. you know? And I'm like, you know, I'm, I, I just try to embrace that more. Josh Dion pulled me aside, and, and we were talking about that, the, the grunts, the Michael Jackson grunts. And he's yeah. like, listen, you know that stuff that we were talking about, that Michael Jackson stuff, like, don't be afraid to go there, man, because you, you have you that actually in have you. actually have it, yeah. You have that and you do it, you know what I mean? Because yeah. that's, that's a real thing. And I was like, oh, thanks, Josh, you yeah. Some sage wisdom from the, you know, from, from the God. From the God, yes. Josh Dion. He, and he's a man who's not afraid to follow his own muse. So nah, when man. he says, here's the muse you have, go. Yeah. yeah. And you listen. And yeah. that's another man who I feel uh, will agree with me on the Isley Brothers supremacy. It's that he's he's a oh, huge Isley course. guy. Yes. D Josh knows music at a, a primal level, too. He's the one, too, where I heard him, you know, on podcast, give the drummer some, Josh Dion. Oh, He's like, yeah. when did you start playing drums? He's like, uh, I just always have. I don't remember. <laughs> right. And, and you, that was your same answer. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm just always saying. What do you mean? When yeah. did I start? This is right. part of who I am. At a, you were in utero, and your mom's singing to you, and you're probably singing along, you know? Right, right. Exactly. And Dion plays every gig like he's going to die tomorrow. Yeah, I don't know how the fuck he does that. It's fucking amazing, right? He's put it all out there every single time. Every time. Every time. Every time. And you can dance to his... Because he feels the groove. Groove is the king to Josh. Oh, yeah. And he has all of the shit where he could do all that other shit, and he's still just going... Yep. You know? <laughs> yep. I'll, I'll dance to some Paris Monster records. Them joints, them joints go. Yeah. yeah, that's so true. Fuck. Well, that's good. So you're just going to put out dance records. I think you should. I think people need more of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the groove under the better, man. And there's plenty of people that are doing that are doing R and B 
and soulful music without that, like kind of kind of a stripped down thing, you know, mm-hmm. but not not dirgy, but just like you know, you know that Frank Ocean, you know Moses Sumney kind of stuff where it's like really like, like um, uh, uh, vibey and like kind of stripped down. That's dope. I love that. You know what I mean? And I listen to those records and I'm like, how do they do that? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm literally amazed by that by the way they do. That yeah, that's they, kind they of like a it. thing right now where it's only like four tracks, right? The whole mm-hmm. it's so loud, but it's so simple, but still. You're still grooving. You could like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick Hakim and that kind of stuff. It's like real dope, and and sparse sounding. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'm, you know, I think I'm I'm going the other way because cool. You know, yeah. <laughs> let's 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 all do it. You know. Oh man. Well, fuck, dude. And anything else coming up on the horizon then besides keeping people in the groove? You're dancing. So we're dancing. We're working on Greg Mayo's new record. I'm also working on a cover. Um, for the homie Whitney Whitney G. Bowley for her Get It Good, a.k.a. Gig Dance Company. They're doing a new video. And oh, we're doing cool. a cover, uh, a little protest music. We're doing a, um, a cover of Stevie Wonder, You Haven't Done Nothing. You ain't done nan, son. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're doing a cover of Stevie, sure. You Haven't Done Nothing. Actually, we're, we're going to work on that tonight, too. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, just st- studio Gigging, I'm going to be at Rockwood Music Hall. We just booked November the 21st at... Good, this will be out maybe the week before then. Bang! Okay, Perfect. November 21st. Get your tickets now. Stage Go two? Go see Beesky at, um, at Rockwood Music Hall Stage 2, yeah. Along with the homies uh, Bright Silence, the Bright Silence. Kevin Johnston is in town. Kevin's back in town? Yes, sir. Kjo. Dang! Yes, sir. That's another singing fool. I love that dude. Oh, he's that's the best. great news. I was yeah, just yeah. Talk- I was talking about. Uh, oh man, that's exciting, bro. What day of the week is that? I don't know my November yet. November twenty first. Um, I do not know off the top of my head, but I am going to okay. consult with my phone. And uh, I have a text here from Greg Mayo. By the way, he says, "What's up? What's up, Greg?" Uh, November twenty first is a Wednesday. Not only is it a Wednesday, it is Thanksgiving Eve. That's what I was going to say. I, that's right around the, um, the time. Um, Brian, I'm going to tell you one story in closing. Please this is, do. This is a humorous story. And I tell this story to other people because I, I was still laughing about it. I was wearing my lightning bolt hat made by... Um, this is an answer to your question that I didn't have the, question, the answer to. My lightning bolt hat made by this company called Aviator Nation. Mm. Right? And you were like, what the hell is that lightning bolt? And I was like, I don't know. I just think it's cool. So I got the hat, and you're like, oh, it's um, Adam. The oh, B- Black Adam. Black Adam. Oh, yeah. You were talking about shit I had no idea about. I was just trying to be like, uh-huh, okay, cool. <laughs> Damn, Brian's telling me something cool right now. I don't even know what the fuck he's talking about. So I was like, holy shit, is that hat Black Adam? So I was like, the Raiders hat. You're wearing a Raiders hat, and you're like, I don't know any fucking Raiders. Like, I'm wearing right. a fucking hat with a light. I just thought it was cool. Right, right. So I'm like, okay, what's, who's Black Adam? Let me check this out. I'm like, why does my hat have a lightning bolt on it? So I had, to, I had to go find the answer. Back in the late 70s, it relates to why the 70s, pre-AIDS, pre-crack, right? This, this, <laughs> right, this right. is when it was just a haywire thing. Pre-Brian <clears throat> came in, I have a boogie board. He was like, oh, man, you're boogie boarding. And yes, son. Sure, I got it. All in the late 70s, all of these dudes would make surfboards, and they were just making them out of the love. And then one dude in Hawaii had a shop, and it was called Bolt Surfboards, and they would all go there, and they'd put a big lightning bolt on it. 
So in the late 70s, it was a symbol of like Hawaiian surf culture. Oh. I didn't know all this. I did. So it. I'm checking this all out. I was like, fuck, I'm wearing this hat around and I'm getting called out and I don't even know what it means. Nah, but so why would you? Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was cool. I was like, oh, that's cool. A, a lightning bolt on a black hat. I was like, that. I felt like it resonated with me. I'm like, it's a powerful symbol. It's a powerful symbol. You throw a lightning bolt on something and like, all right. Yeah, I was like, it feels it feels good and powerful positive energy. Yeah, so I, so I got the answer, right? Nice. Comes from 70s surf culture. I was like, well, that's cool because I just like that era in general. Yeah, yeah. And this is the story that really cracked me up. You said something that I'm still laughing about. We were with our sax player friend, Stephen, and we were trying to decide what diner to go to. Uh -huh. And I was like, should we go to this one? Should we go to this one? Should we go to this one? And you were just like... Doesn't matter to me, I'm getting the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and your late night diner order. Oh man. Do reveal, come on, it's amazing. Son, listen, when I go to a diner, there's only one thing I'm getting. There's only one thing I got my eye on. That's the chicken. <laughs> doesn't even look at the menu. That's the chicken parm dinner. <laughs> chicken parm dinner? Chicken parm dinner. <laughs> Regardless of where I am, which diner. <laughs> Only diners, though. Only diners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about, uh, will you get breakfast in the morning? In the morning, I will go, uh, in the morning, I get breakfast, for sure. A.M., P.M. For sure, yeah. And then you get the chicken What if it's parm? nighttime, son? Yeah. Chicken parm dinner. Chicken that parm was, dinner. That, <laughs> that made me laugh so hard. Now, I'm going to relate this to another interaction I have with you. You and I are on the chain, hanging out, and you're, you know so much about MMA. <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, do you still go to the Matrix, the gym? I do not. I have long ago given up <laughs> hopes of being able to attend a gym regularly. Do you, what do, you do? Do you have like a fitness regimen or do you just... You're I, have just a, I have a pull-up bar at home. Legit, I do pull-ups and I do push-ups and... The prison and, workout. And yeah, exactly. Just, just I do the barest of minimums to avoid fat fucked them. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> is that like... Is it just a free thing? You're like... Couple reps when you're feeling it, or I, it's like, all right, Monday through Thursday. I, I do. used right. I used to live a block away from a gym, and I couldn't. And I was paying like sixty bucks a month for a membership, and I couldn't get myself motivated to leave the house when it was cold to go there <laughs> and work out. <laughs> Plus, I was like, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't. It's boring to me. I put on music. I'll run on a treadmill, and uh, uh, and all I can do is like. Look at the clock and see what time it's, it's so boring. It's over, yeah, yeah. So I no, I lose my mind at that shit. I can't do it. Yeah. Well, you said to me this one time that just really made me laugh, and I still think about this phrase. But you said you're going for the weigh-in look because <laughs> <laughs> we were like yeah. talking about this, and then you're showing me these MMA. You see, that's the look I'm going for, the weigh-in look. Yeah. <laughs> Always, I still think about that phrase. I'm like, the whole Connor Khabib fight, and oh, yeah. they're doing the weigh in. I'm thinking of you. I'm like, see? oh man, see, that's the look. Look at that. They dropped like 15 pounds if in like I two days my, or something. If shit. I had my druthers, right? If I had any semblance of discipline yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about fitness in my the look <laughs> that I would your, go for. Your dream look is like middleweight <laughs> boxer on weigh in day. <laughs> I was thinking about it for days. Mad, I was like, mad slim, insane. drawn out with like abs, you know? Yeah, just like, whoosh. like never the bulky dude, right? Like, I don't want to be like, you know, I don't want to look like Hulk Hogan off in that, you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, yeah, yeah, give me that, give me the Khabib, give me the Khabib <laughs> Nurmagomedov 
on dehydrated. Like, <laughs> <laughs> on day. The poor guy's about to collapse. I'm like, that's the look. They're about to fall over. I know. You're just like, yeah, that is the look. And it is really like the in vogue look for the male now, though. You just gave it, it a phrase, I feel oh, like. Snap. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the weigh-in day look. Weigh-in day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that made me laugh. No, because then the second time you're like, it doesn't matter where we're going. I'm getting chicken parm dinner, baby. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. No, no. I, I certainly do not uh, embody that 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 look. You just get on stage and dance around for four hours. So you, dancing is your workout. You don't need to work out. You do you do the, the prison workout, but then you're on. You're moving on stage. That's my the cardio. Whole time. Yeah, that's, that's my cardio. Yeah, that's yeah. your cardio. Um, so yeah, you know, I don't look slovenly, but uh, you know, I think you can you can tell by looking at me that I do enjoy. A pie every now and then. <laughs> I do enjoy. I do enjoy a, cust- a coconut custard pie. Oh man, Brian. So yeah, we'll, I'll play people out with "Don't Dream It's Over." Your dream to wake up to, <laughs> or oh, unless you want to roll with a crowded house, which no, is dude. super dope too. This is another thing about my brain: is I make a mistake and then I'll continually make it, and I oh, have to dope. like relearn it. No man, my brain really related. Really Don't dream it over. What key is what key is your tune in? What key is my tune in? You'd be a dream to wake up to. You're a dream to wake up to. So that's what, like uh, G flat? There, I'll get the key in my head. Um, where are we? Got the, I'll make him play piano. He plays bass. Oh, A flat. I don't know. Let's play it. All right, we'll play it. Brian, thank you for waking up early. Traver- Where is your spot now? Not that you have to say this on the microphone. But- <laughs> oh, uh, I'm going to Manhattan. Yeah, I have a session in Manhattan. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. But you're still in Astoria. Oh, yeah. Oh, I live five blocks away from here. Five Not even, no, away. a little more. I'm on like 38th Street. Dude, Team Queens. We're the kings, Team right? Queens. We are on the scene, son. Uh, thank you for waking up early, coming and hanging out, and watching me fucking mess up the names of your songs repeatedly. That's embarrassing. I'm going to listen back to this and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was going to make notes. Bro, you can you can, like overdub. Like, we're going to play your song. <laughs> your dream to wake up to. <laughs> I don't do that. Your dream to wake up to. Brian, thank you so much for hanging My out. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Boom. You're a dream to wake up to. Trust my eyes I have to touch you
Oh my God, how turned on are you right now? Yeah. Ooh. Just in a breeze, just in a cool breeze, a beesky breeze. Guys, thank you so much for listening to Secret Famous. I got some hot ones coming up. We got Nick Wells and his Christmas album. Then I got the guitar god of NYC, Mr. Teddy Kumpel. I did that yesterday. He's hilarious. And then uh, I got Joel Lowry. The sassy ginger bomb. Is that a compliment? Saying ginger bomb? She's a fucking badass hustler. Ginger bomb. Joelle Lowry. <clears throat> oh, well. I think that's a compliment, right? That's the name of a band in LA with all gingers in it. Ginger bomb. She's a ginger bomb. Joelle Lowry. 
Anyway, thank you for listening to Secret Famous. Have a wonderful and delicious Thanksgiving. Go to Beesky's show. I'm going to get this out before that. So if you listen to this immediately, you can go to that turkey trot. <clears throat> um, and I'm going to go walk. I'm going to fitness challenge right now. I got my Fitbit on. And I only got 1,500 steps because, as I mentioned, I'm sick. I'm ruining my whole. I got to go walk. I got to get my steps in. So I hope you're working out and doing a turkey trot. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, my God. All right. Mucho love. I love you all. Have a delicious Thanksgiving, and I'll see you after that with some more cool podcasts. Big love. Ooh.